BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. baby it is game week it is game week yes here we go 124 hours and 22 minutes until the ball is kicked off for the eagles in the 2023 season rob ellis Derek gun sports take let's freaking go baby Woo! Where's my neck roll? I'm doing push-ups right now. Virtual push-ups. I ain't doing that, man. I'm messing around. Pull something, man. I ain't oh, doing all that. I think I'm out. I think it's just to a rotator. I'm done. I'm done. All right, I gotta lay down. Hey, hey you, know, you know, I've been telling you forever that I don't get jacked up until the week of the first game. Yes. And 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 I and I forgot to tell you why. And it was it was brought to light this past weekend. Okay. It's the first full weekend of college football. Yes. It gets me jacked up because you've got the highs, the lows, the foul-ups, the bleeps, and the blunders, and always a shocker. And we had two shockers over the weekend, Mm. which we'll talk about later in the show. But college football is back. It's back. It precedes the kickoff of the NFL season. Look, I can't hold my hands straight. Two days. We're two days until, until it really gets going here. 
with the Lions and the Chiefs. Uh, I can't, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love the anticipation. I think one of the things that makes the NFL so great, and, and believe me, I you know me, I love the fact that there's Phillies games almost every night and all that. But the thing that makes the NFL great is the recap and then the anticipation. Yes. It's everything that just went down, and then yes. it becomes the, oh, man, who's next? Now, we have a crazy circumstance because you go Sunday, Thursday, because yeah. the Eagles next yeah. week are the Thursday game. I mean, you're going to wait all this time, Gunner, and then all of a sudden you're going to get two games dropped in your lap in four days. It's just nuts. I, I got the shakes, man. I'm telling I'm you. Telling I can't you. be contained this week, bro. It's so good. It's so good. What's up, everybody? What's up, Anthony? Oh, JM, Jim G, Daz, Mood Swing Bella, K1, SB Ricky, Dank, Brandon, Eagles fan. What's up, people? Yes, we're here, man. We are here. All right. So a couple things to, to I do want to I do want to mention this first, Gunner, in all seriousness, before we yes. get cranking here. We're gonna get we're gonna get off and running in a second. Uh, but we want to send our condolences out to our our friend, uh, friend of the show, friend of ours for a long time, Derek. Uh, we have both worked with with him for quite a while. You covered him as a player, as did I as well before yeah. his his yeah. broadcasting career. But uh, we're thinking of our good friend Hugh Douglas, who sadly lost his son, Hugh, in a car accident uh, yesterday in the Atlanta area. He was a he was a college student. Uh, he and, and, and a fellow college student sadly lost their lives in a car accident. So condolences, prayers. Uh, we're thinking of you, Hugh. And uh, it, it's it's an unthinkable tragedy that I will not try to put into words, man. But I feel for you. And God bless, man. Yeah. Um, you know, getting to know Hugh like I've known him, he is not just a friend. He is not just a colleague. He is uh, he is a brother, and he and I have shared some great heartfelt stories through the years. And he has let me into certain aspects of his life that he has not shared with many people, man. And uh, it's almost like I lost a family member. I didn't know his son, but I know how he dotes over his kids. His kids are his pride and joy. And so I've texted with him a couple times this morning, man. And you know the words he's hurting right now are an understatement. You know. Um, you know, he was so proud of his son who was entering his junior year at Morehouse University, uh, majoring in business, fine, uh, business with an emphasis on finance. And, uh, you know, the young man who died with him was his roommate from last year. Um, and, 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 I, and I tell my kids and I tell everybody all the time, you know, nothing is given to us. The next breath we take is not given to us, man. Yep. And we always know that there are uncertainties in life and tragedies in our lives that are going to occur. Those are unavoidable, but you just never know where they're going to come when they're around the corner, man. And man, you know, you know, what's going to happen, but it still hits you hard, especially as one of your own. Yeah. And after I heard about it, man, I just, I just prayed, I just prayed for his family and, yeah. and said, thank you, Lord, that my three are still healthy uh, and still here. Um, I, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even sit here and fake that. I can imagine what he's going through as a parent right now. Um, but you know, he knows a lot of people, including me are out there praying for him. I've told him, if you need anything, let me know. Same. Um, if, if that's all you can do, man, you just grieve with them and you pray for that family, man. Cause that's devastating. That, that's, that's, that's at the top of the list of being of devastation. When you lose, a uh, one of your children or a spouse or something that, that, yeah. Sometimes you can't even you can't even speak up. No, there aren't words. And uh, you know, I back in the day, he and I used to do shows together at WIP, and we would both 
their sons in, and they're right around the same age. My son's a senior in college. His son's a junior, and they would hang out. Same with Jeremiah Trotter's son, who you see playing for Clemson. Uh, yep. They all just yep. just hang out with one another and, and have fun with each other. And yep. uh, to, to think of what he's going through, it's unimaginable. So, uh, you know, there's no easy segue off of this. We have a show no. today, but no. we wanted to just let Hugh know and everybody know who, who wasn't aware of what, what Hugh's going through that we we wish him all the best. So um, yep. we'll, we'll do the awkward transition into, into football and, and the fun stuff and the toy department. Uh, thinking about Hugh the whole time. Um, all right, so uh, a couple things, Derek. As I mentioned, we got the countdown to when the game is. The line initially was five, then it was three and a half. Now it's back to four. So, and I, they, I think I think I know why. Yeah. So that yeah. leading into that, so there's a couple things that are that are of interest here. So Riley Reef, who is their starting right tackle, the New England Patriots, yeah. has been put on the IR, so he's out. But it's not just him gone, and that's a big loss. No. First of all, no. And it's not just him. They're dealing with issues with both of their starting guards. So you yep. talk about three-fifths of yep. their offensive line in flux or in question right now. This is, this is similar to what they went through last year. That every time they faced an opponent, the opponent was missing one or two starting offensive linemen. Right. Here they come out of the gate, and three-fifths of the Patriots' starting line is probably not going to be there. Yeah. Um, and – They've, they've made some addition, and it makes sense now why the Patriots are carrying 11 offensive linemen, the most offensive linemen being carried by any team in the National Football League. They've got to mix and match this thing, man, to get it off the ground. And, man, I tell you what, that's not easy. You're starting off against the, the Super Bowl runner-up with one of the most high-powered offenses in the game, yeah. and the defense has come. Now, this is a game I expect Sean decide to, 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 to test the picket fence a number of times to see where he can find an opening or a weak link in that picket fence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is as much as we, I think may look at Jalen Hargrave or, you know, or Javon Hargrave, excuse me, as a, as a big loss. And he was, this is still a team that's very good and going to be very good at getting after the quarterback. Yes. So, and, and, and Mac Jones is not a guy who you would say is nimble back there. He's not a total statue, but he's not nimble either. This should be a game. If, well, Reef's already out. If the other guards are, are either, you know, affected here or not playing, it's a game where the Eagles should rack up some sacks. And that's where – this is the differential. This is where the Eagles could win the game here, Derek, is pass rush and the impact that that has, not only if you get a sack, but you force him into a bad throw. You know, uh, you, you you get a forced fumble. We know how good right, Hassan right. Reddick is at that, at the strip sack. So this is one to watch, folks. This is not a little thing. This is a big thing here. You know, um, Belichick has been unlike Belichick in terms of praising Mac Jones. Normally, he doesn't extend the kind of praises he's been extend, extending towards Mac Jones in terms of him grasping the offense, minimizing mistakes, being a very efficient under center. You don't hear, hear Bill Belichick say that about many people. You know, right. he's usually very close to the vest, very bland in terms of his description. Of, of how he defines certain players, skill position players, quarterbacks, so on and so forth. He's been raving about Mac Jones, but I can't imagine Mac Jones is going to come anywhere close to what Belichick has described behind that patchwork offensive line. Yeah. It'd be a shock. That, that's the big thing. And, and here's where that also affects them, Derek. They're, they are a pretty decent running team. Yes. So, yes. you know, your, your interior guys, like your guards, are either playing hurt or not playing or whatever – even your tackles that that affects your running game, which could make them one dimensional. So 
again, this could be the, the Eagles defensive line. If you're looking for keys here, could be the key to this thing for the birds to, to get this. And, and the Patriots have a nice one, two running attack with Stevenson and uh, now Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Right. You know, Elliott doesn't have to be the main guy. So I would imagine he's going to be a lot fresher, mm -hmm. you know, especially when he comes, when he comes in the games. Yeah. Um, it's still an intriguing, it's still an intriguing matchup because it is Tom Brady night. It is in Foxborough. Right. It's a nationally televised game. Um, it's the season opener. And of course this Patriots team, after what they went through last year, want to set a tone for what's to come. And of course we heard this off season about the possible tension between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Is Belichick on a hot seat? How much more patience would Kraft have with him? Yeah. Even though what he's done for him in the past, you know, it's all about what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, and here's so, the other thing that makes that night interesting gunner. Belichick has not won a Super Bowl since Brady left. In fact, they've been very mediocre. Brady won one. Brady's coming yep. back. It's more of a reminder, you know, that that the whole argument was, is it Tom Brady, is it Belichick? Blah, blah, blah. And we know it was, it's both of them combined. But people like to pit one against the other. Right, but right, if you're right. Belichick and you're, you know, you're looking at it like, man, I haven't been able to do anything since this guy left. And there's a reminder right there, the guy who's going to be honored at halftime. That, that's uh, that's something else. So you give him an entire offseason, too, to game plan for you from a defensive standpoint. I think that part of it's going to be interesting to see what he does to, to counter this Eagles offense. Let me throw one more little thing in there with this. The Matt Patricia effect. Who knows this, that team offensively and yep. defensively yep. and Belichick's habits better than Matt Patricia, who was alongside yep. him for a very long time. Absolutely. How much of a weapon is he behind the scenes this week for the birds? That's a great point. Um, uh, and also let me throw this other caveat in there. Eagles starting offense didn't play the preseason. How long will it take them to get in a groove against a very good Patriots defense? Yeah. You know, the Patriots offense is suspect, but that defense kept them in a lot of games last year. Mm -hmm. You know, and as we know, sometimes when it comes down to crunch time, a fumble here, a ricochet interception there, a strip sack, you, you just never know. But that Patriots defense is no joke. Right. With Matthew Judon in the middle of that defense. Ouche is the real deal. Let me tell you, it's, the story, that's why I say, Rob, these storylines are crazy across the NFL this year. Yeah. I think this is one of the most intriguing seasons across the board with so much movement, quarterback movement, player movement. Coaches, yeah, coaches, Peyton coming back, yeah. Player holdouts, key player holdouts. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there's so many great storylines here, man. Um, and that's why I say I can't wait to see the season unfold. Now, you know, you look at the game on Thursday night, Kansas City could be handcuffed minus a receiver or two. You know, how Minus a receiver, too, and still Chris Jones holding out. No Chris Jones, yeah. How will that affect them playing against this Detroit team that's coming for blood this year? Yeah, Detroit and can knows. score. Detroit can, can score. put points up. Yep. And Detroit knows this is a this is a season tone setter, first game out of the gate. Yeah. Now, even if they lose, if they lose by two or three points, people are going to still say that's the Detroit team I expected to see. Oh, I agree, yeah. You know, if Detroit shocks the world – they're going to be talking about Detroit even more. So if Detroit gets blown out, people are going to say, same old lines Here again. we go. Yeah, we, we yeah. can't put any faith in them. Yeah. No, you know. no so I think it, so. It's I crazy. Think it's crazy, man. Uh, so the Eagles, Derek, most teams, you, I don't know if they – they usually name maybe five, six guys as team captains. Eagles went with nine guys. Yeah. It feels like a lot. It feels like more than they usually go with. I'd have to go back and check that, though. It is. Right. It All is. Right. Let me give you the guys. Uh, Hertz, Kelsey, Lane Johnson – Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, Jake Elliott, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. 
I can't say I'm surprised. The only thing you say is maybe Devontae's a little young. A little but, younger, yeah. But, I mean, then again, Hurts is, is, you know, young as well, I guess. Yeah, but, but Hurts is much more mature. Uh, than, I know. Than, I know. You know. But, but I, I, you know, no argument with any of those guys. I, I think they're all deserving, and they define the leadership in that locker room. You know, like I said, the, like you said, the only one I would say, huh, is, is Devontae because he's still young. But obviously, look at how he has matured statistically from year one to year two. Yeah. You know, um, you, he's proven his metal. You know, he's respected in that locker room. And I think it's smart because you don't pit one higher than the other two with the receivers. I think it's okay. very. I found this on the web for how do you identify that? Check it out. <laughs> you all right? <laughs> yeah. This, I'm throwing Siri watch off again, man. Siri started talking. I'm like, what in the world? Uh, oh, Look, see? She's still talking. She loves you, Derek. She likes the hearing the sound of your voice. So I just flipped the watch off again. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? It's football we week, baby. We I haven't had one of those in a while. That's, Look, <laughs> that's awesome. It's football week, dude. I don't need any interferences. Come on. Come on, baby. Whoa! No, I was saying before your before your girlfriend Siri got involved, uh, uh that I think it's smart by the Eagles to keep those two sort of on an even parallel, like with AJ and Devontae, because there are some people, and I don't think there's many, believe, I think it's so overblown, that are pitting one against the other. Everybody appreciates them both for what they are. But anyway, if you wanted to just sort of keep them even keeled, that's a way to do it. Too. Dude, that's a that's a phantom story. Yeah. There, there's there's no... Uh, I don't talk to anybody who puts one against the other. They're, everybody's just over the moon that they have both. I, I love what AJ said this summer about, you know, I'm, I want the ball, but you're not going to see me being a diva. I'm not going to demand the ball. He understands the bigger picture. What receiver doesn't want the ball? Yeah. Especially a receiver that was four yards shy of 1,500 yards on 88 catches. Yeah. What receiver doesn't want the ball more? And he's being honest. I have no problem. There's not a receiver. If a receiver tells you he doesn't want the ball, he's lying to you. I, I don't care if he's a fifth-string receiver. If he tells you that, that's a flat-out lie. Every pass catcher, every running back, Wants the ball. Every tight end wants the ball. It's the nature of the game. But for him to say, look, you're not going to have to worry about me being a diva. I'm not a problem here. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Yeah, I want the ball, but I understand the scheme. You know, this is bigger than me. We came close to doing something here, and I'm not going to be the one trying to upset that apple cart. I love the way he, he categorized it. I, I thought he said, yeah, when he said, hey, we complement each other. We make yes. each other better. It, 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 look, it's I, I. You understand going in, like you said, when you're dealing with wideouts, certain positions, they're diva-ish, and and you love that because you want them to want the ball. You want them to think they're open every single time. I mean, his, his X handle, his Twitter handle, is always open, right? You want them to think that. But I don't think for a second that either are wishing any any ill will on the other one. Anyway, no. But no, so no. I just thought that was a that's a smart move. Uh, by the Eagles. Hey, look, in this offense, there's enough balls to go around for everybody. Exactly. You know, they showed that last year. There's more than enough passes to go around for everybody. Yep. Now, somebody's numbers are going to suffer because somebody else is going to be a little bit more open. You may have to go to safety valve a lot more, meaning the tight end and the running back, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the guys on the, on the outside who caught 95 and 88 passes last year, their numbers may suffer a little bit, but they're integral parts of the game, and they understand that. You know, you yeah. have to. Well, and when you have DeAndre Swift, there's going to be more passes to the running yes. back than when you have Miles Sanders. Yes. That's the way it is. Gainwell, Boston Scott, they're all going to get their touches out of the backfield of safety valves, exactly. matchup situations. Yeah. I can see DeAndre Swift running a lot of wheel routes. 
against if they identify early that a linebacker is going to try to cover DeAndre Swift, either hitch pass or wheel routes down the sidelines. I can see it happen. All right, so a couple other couple other things to to note. I, I want to hit you with the Eagles question of the day. There, yeah. Aside from Jalen Hurts, which player do you have the most faith in to have a big year? Ooh. Um, like if I said to you, "Hey, I, man, lock it in this guy." Bam. It may it may be the guy we were just referencing here, but who would it, who would it be for you? I can't I can't count against AJ. You know, I'd have to say AJ would be at the top of that list. The other guy I was going to say is going to start the season playing with some kind of protection on his thumb. I wonder how much that's going to affect him early on. I'm talking about Hassan Reddick. Yep. I would normally have said Hassan Reddick, but because he's got to start out with protection on that thumb, um, I think it's going to take him a little bit while. But coming out of the gate from start to finish, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a thousand, a hundred yard game every week. It's making the clutch catches. It's making the big catches. It's breaking tackles. You're not going to tackle this dude one arm. He's going to kill teams with that slant route over and over again. He doesn't drop many passes. He's an accomplished blocker as well. Yep. I'd have to say AJ jumps out first and foremost. What about you? I, I would go Lane Johnson, I, I, especially considering okay. he's healthy. And he talked about, and I know like that's not one that's going to show up in a stat line. I, I get it. But you're talking about a guy who basically doesn't allow sacks anymore in his career, you know, and and is still really good against the run too. I, I could throw Kelsey in there very easily also. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, but I would go Lane Johnson I, in terms of just, I don't have to worry about it. Like there's, it's one less thing I have to worry about each and every game that they play is I know the right tackle is going to dominate whoever he's got over there. So I, I would say Lane Johnson for me. That, that man has played through so many injuries in his career. Um, injuries that would 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 fall would fall or fell the best of the best. Yep. And he played through that injury. He played that abdominal injury. He played through last season. Yeah. In the latter part of the season into the playoffs. Abductor. Abductor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um. That would that would sideline a lot of people, and he mm-hmm. he battled through it and got through that. Yeah. There's nobody tougher than that dude, man, on the right side of the line, and I don't think there's a tougher mentally or physically offensive lineman in the National Football League than Lane Johnson. I agree with you. I, I I think that if I if I had to throw like five out there, I would go Lane Johnson. I'd go Kelsey. I think Sweat's going to have a huge year. Yeah. Um, you're right. Like Hassan Reddick would 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 immediately go to the top of my list. If not for the thumb, I'm a little bit worried about that in terms of like affecting his production. Um, and AJ, AJ would have to be on there. I I can't say with certain. I feel good about Bradbury too, but I can't say anything with certainty with Slay. Uh, safeties, linebackers, for sure. Uh, I think I think Nicobe Dean has the potential to have a big year. Yeah, but because we haven't seen him do it yet, I can't put him on that list. It's, it's yeah. a wait and see. Now we revisit the same topic halfway through the season. I guarantee you, our thought pattern may change somewhat. But as of right now, as we sit here right now, going into the season with the unknowns on both teams, I would have to pick somebody who's almost guaranteed to be Mr. Reliable, game in and game out. Same here. And, and that's the one difference, if you can look at something between last year's team and this year's team, you're counting on more unknowns this year. It doesn't mean they're not going to be no. able to play well. Yep. But, you know, you're talking about Jalen Carter. You're talking about, to an extent, in the rotation, Nolan Smith. You're talking about more on Jordan Davis's plate. You're talking about Cam Jurgens. You, you know, you're talking about running backs who have been hurt. So you're talking about some guys who are, I, 
in some cases unknown, in other cases just more unproven, uh, and and throw blanket chip in there that need to step up. Where last year you had a lot more veterans that you were just plugging into those to those spots, and you you sort of knew what you had. So that is a that's a difference, but it doesn't mean you're going to be worse off. Uh, absolutely not. But but again, there's so much on that defensive side that has to fuse and, and, and form a cohesive bond, you know, and it takes a little while. Now, I, I believe they have the advantage because the Patriots don't have much of wide receiver. Yeah. You know, we talk about all the great wide receivers they face this year and the great quarterback, the great quarterback wide receiver combinations they're going to face this year. Yeah. The Patriots don't have that. You know, no, no, they don't. Th- this is, um, this is one of the exceptions. This is not an explosive offense yeah, that they're no, getting week one no. for sure. And an offense that's handcuffed now by three-fifths of starting line, not there. Yep. That makes it even more trying going up against this team. This Eagles offense can really stress the Patriots offense because I don't think the, the Patriots offense can match the Eagles seven for seven. Oh, you know. this turns into a track meet. It's over, Gunner. Th- this oh, needs to be a game where the Patriots do just enough to nullify the Eagles offense and hang around. This is this is one of those games. Like if you're in the third and you and you say to yourself, "It feels like the Eagles should be up three touchdowns," and it's like a field goal game. That's when you get a little concerned with this yep. game. It, it, it that's exactly the kind of mucked up, you know, uglied up kind of game that Belichick wants. If this Eagles offense controls the ball 37, 38 minutes, the game's over. Yes, agreed. Uh, I, I agree a hundred percent. By the way, big show today. We got Jeff McLean. Uh, coming up at 1.30, so we're looking forward to talking to Jeff, get his uh, preview of the upcoming season. So when we come back, Derek, we're, we're going to dive into big off-season storylines, new coordinators, uh, new players, younger players being counted on, players you brought in, departures, all those kind of things. Uh, two things, Nick Sirianni is meeting with the media as we speak. Uh, yeah. So first off, good on him. Uh, he started uh, the press conference off giving his condolences to Hugh. And his family, so that's classy. Yep, yep. No surprise there uh, that he would do something like that. He's also got a uh, a fanatic shirt on, so a, a Phillies fanatic shirt on. So you got to love that. He's always he's always representing the other teams. Anyway, uh, but he said one of the things that he thought was an advantage to the Eagles was uh, having new coordinators is going to give them a bit of a different look, even if they're still philosophically the same. And he kept it very vanilla in the in the preseason. So what you what you necessarily saw in those games isn't what you're going to you know get when it gets real. So uh, I, again, we'll pass along anything that Nick has to say uh, throughout the course of the well, show. So we're, that, we're that's what I've been game. talking about all off season. Brian Johnson has been there for the duration with Nick. Yep, he's watched, he's listened, and I'm sure he's had input along the way. Yeah. Now the Steichen's out of the way. This is his show. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Sirianni's the father of this offense, but he's given Johnson breathing room to make it his own offense. And with that comes a little deviation from the norm of what we saw last year. Yeah. What will that be? That You're right. That's the unknown commodity. How, how similar yet different will that offense look under Brian Johnson? You know, that, that's, you know, because let's face it, whatever he does with this offense, it could put him in line to be the next head coach after this season. Oh, he's it, 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 look, Derek, if this offense looks the way it looked last year, he won't be the offensive coordinator next year. No. You know what? That's a good problem. That's a good Absolutely. problem. Yep. You know, but, you know, we also know Rob, that, you know, you keep losing OCs every year. That's hard. You're not going to have the same continuity because now you got to bring somebody in from the outside. Yeah. You know? And 
but but this is now. This is the here and now. And Brian Johnson has waited his turn patiently. Now it's his turn to shine. Mm-hmm. And with the weapons that he has at his disposal, from wide receivers to quarterback to running back quartet, you know, this dude walked into a gold mine. That's the thing, man. You, you know, you didn't you didn't buy some jalopy used car that you're hoping no, is going to get no. you get you down the street. You stepped into a nice luxury vehicle, man. It, it's ready to purr. You know, that's that's uh, that's a nice place to be in if you're Brian Johnson. That's for sure, man. That is for sure. All right. I'll tell you if Nick Sirianni named a starter next to Reed Blankenship in the uh, at the defensive safety spot. So we'll get into all those kind of things when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza. You hungry right now? I got something that will hit the spot for you, and that's Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, thrilled that they are part of the show, part of the channel as well. I've been going there since I've been a kid, and they're family-owned since 1985. I'm in there each and every week. I see Alex and the crew putting together the absolute best food out there with great, great variety. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they'll make it specialized pizza your way. But you're not up for pizza. They have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, you name it. The other great thing is Bravo Pizza is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. In fact, I'm going to tell you about the great stuff that Bravo is doing tomorrow in the show leading up to uh, to 9-11. But you can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of, at the Bravo Pizza of, on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. on earth 
It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, we're back. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, uh, talking Eagles as we're getting you set. It's finally game week. Uh, no more preseason games to talk about. No more what ifs. We know. Oh! It is. Yes, it's a beautiful thing, man. It is a beautiful thing. All right. So I guess this isn't surprising. Nick Sirianni declined to uh, name a starter next to Reed Blankenship. Can't, can't say I'm surprised uh, by that. Wants to keep the Patriots guessing, I guess, Derek. If you had to guess who it would be, who would be the opposite opposite safety. I think uh, I think it's still going to be Terrell Edmonds early. I think eventually we're going to see some changes there. But who do you think? Well, he's a six-year vet, so that would be my odds-on choice is to pick him. You know, you need a stabilizing force in the back of that defense. And, you know, let's face it, he's been around the block a few times. He reads the defense well. You need somebody, and 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 not to say Sidney Brown isn't coming, because he's coming. But for, for now, to get this thing off the ground, especially when you have so many components, so many new components to what you're going to do on that side of the ball, mm-hmm. you want as many as much veteran presence on that side as you can possibly get. And I think it'll start up with uh, Edmonds, no, no question about it. Yeah, yeah. I, but look, I uh, I feel pretty good about Blankenship. I know uh, there's still a lot of question marks out there, but you know, by all accounts, he had a really good camp. Um, you know, and we didn't get to see him a ton. I think he played in the one game, was it Cleveland or whatever? But we didn't see him yeah. a lot in the preseason. Yeah. But that's fine. Uh, either way, not not a big deal as far as I'm concerned. Um, all right, so let, let's talk about some some of the big things that happened this offseason, Gunner. Um, let's start with the two biggest storylines in my estimation, two new coordinators, you know, yeah. a lot of times you'll lose one here and there, either side of the ball, but to lose both is a lot. Jonathan Gannon goes to Arizona. Shane Steichen goes to Indianapolis. So let, let's begin there. Um, no matter what, even with Brian Johnson being in house and Sean Desai coming from, from outside of the organization, there is still an adjustment period. Is where would you put that on a concern level for you? Is that a biggie to you, or is it one that I, I don't think it'll take these guys all that long because they still have a lot of talent? See, it, it's not a major concern twofold. Number one, because the offense itself is intact. Everybody in that offense, except the right guard, you know, and even if it's Jurgens, he's been there, yeah. so he's he's been among them. You know, that thing is intact. It's not often you get a team that went to the Super Bowl that gets its entire offense back. Yeah, they lost Samalo. Okay, I get that. But you're plugging in a guy waiting in the wings who's been there already. When you look at the offensive coordinator, as I just mentioned before the break, he's been with them from the start. He thinks like them. And I'm sure 
he hasn't gotten enough credit in the past for things he might have seen that he they may have implemented into this offense to make it as lethal as it was. Now he steps to the forefront. He's the center stage now. Sirianni has told us back way back in the spring he will call the plays. So the onus is on him now. And for Sirianni to do that back in the spring tells me he has the utmost confidence in Brian Johnson. And, of course, we've heard across the league that he's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later in the National Football League. So all those things combined tell me this thing is going to be smooth sailing. And then, of course, Sirianni is, is the godfather of the playbook, and if he sees something wrong, he'll pump the brakes on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we may never know it, but he may pump the brakes. Getting Johnson's there, hey, look, when you see this formation, go here instead of going here. Those are little things we may not even know about. Right. But he's going to let Brian Johnson grow in his offense, not just because he's been here, but because he knows – that he's opening a door possibly for Johnson at the end of the season. Yeah, and I, and Nick's always said, even when Shane Steichen was here, hey, I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Like I see something I like here, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a suggestion and and say, hey, we gotta we gotta go with that. So that wouldn't be new, right? So that that part is not a reflection of Brian Johnson at all. Nick always has reserved that right to be able to do that. Right. I I think there is a great advantage from Brian Johnson's standpoint to being in house. I'll draw a comparison to baseball for a minute. When Rob Thompson took over for Joe Girardi, yep. I, I think we all thought he was just going to be a clone of, of Joe Girardi, right? Yep. And he's, oh, he's just going to do the same thing. So w- one of the things that I thought was really interesting that Thompson said was, he, he said, look, you take the good, you take the bad, or, or you take the things that you think work for you and the things that you necessarily don't think will work for you or the team, and you incorporate that. And that's one of the things that he's done with the Phillies. I, I think Brian Johnson will be the same way. Look, th- to some extent, you, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Right. What you have with Jalen Hurts in this offense is pretty darn good. So I, I don't think he is – his ego is such that he's going to need to do everything so different just to put a stamp on it and say, this is Brian Johnson's offense. Right, right. But I think he will look at things and say, hey, we could probably do this a little bit more efficiently or this works better for Jalen. Or now that we have DeAndre Swift, we're going to incorporate screens or passes to the backs. And I think for all those reasons, you could see a new and improved offense. And I really like Shane Steichen. It's no knock on him. But I think this offense has the potential because guys are getting better. Jalen Hurts is getting better. A.J. Brown's getting better. Devontae Smith is getting better. Dallas Goddard's getting better. You know, there's no reason to believe that we've seen the peak of this thing. I think it's still growing. I really do. I I still remember uh, earlier this year when Sirianni said we've only seen half the playbook. Right. You you only only had half the playbook and, and you blew teams away with only half the playbook? Now, I can't wait to see what the other half looks like. Right. How much more diversified? How much more deceptive can this offense look? How much more efficient can it look? I mean, let's face it. They're deeper at running back than they were last year. Yes, they had a 1,200-yard rusher last year. But they're deeper and more versatile at the running back position. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe you will not have a 1,000-yard rusher. You, I, I've firmly said this, and I believe they'll be one of the top four or five rushing teams in the league, but you won't have a 1,000-yard rusher because yeah. at any given moment, you can bring a different type of back in the game. You know, one's more of a pass catcher than a runner. One's a better blocker. One's a better a better between the tackle. Down in distance, we'll decide who's in the game, and, of course, if they have a hot hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with everything coming back the way it is, including a new offensive coordinator, I would be shocked – if the offense isn't similar to what we said, now granted, you've got to play better teams. You may have to score more points to beat some of these teams. Yeah, you know. But I still say, in terms of overall numbers, statistics, where they stand among the rest of the offenses in the National Football League, 
Um, I'd be shocked if they weren't very similar to what we saw. Well, you know what's interesting with their stats? I think what their stats are going to look like, you could have guys with way better individual numbers if they weren't on such a complete team. Sure. A.J. Brown could have been over 1,500 yards, could have had 15 touchdowns. Devontae He'd be Smith, in Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, a, a, uh, Devontae could have had better numbers than he had last year, but he's got A.J. Brown lining up you know, on the other side of him. He's got Dallas Goddard. I agree with you. I don't think any of the running backs are going to have monster individual rushing numbers, but I right. think collectively you're going to see a bunch of guys like you could see Penny Swift over 500. You could yep. see Gainwell maybe in that 400 range, you know, Gainwell and Swift with a bunch of catches on top of it and receiving yards, like all those kind of things. I think Derek, this team averaged about 28 per game last year. I don't see any reason why that can't get up a point or two. No, I don't need no, no reason. I don't either. Now, now, granted, they're going to have to work harder to get it. Yeah, because you've got offenses, you've got offenses that are going to be on the field a lot longer than you want them to be on the field. The Kansas Cities, the Buffaloes. You know, they know how to work the clock. Those teams, those offenses are very efficient at working the clock and being diversified. Also, yep. So you may have to, you may have to put up a few more points mm-hmm. as your defense evolves. You know, um, you may have to win more low-scoring games for that matter. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about them putting up more points, but they can be efficient also and win more, win more low, low scoring games because it's so balanced in terms of ball control time. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so many different scenarios with this team now uh, with, with, with what they're going to face this year. But they can still be just as good. Their numbers can suffer a little bit and still be just as good as they were last year as an overall unit. I agree. All right, let's go to the other side. So it's a little bit more of an unknown with Desai. We know he comes from Vic Fangio. That was also sort of the school that that Gannon came from. We know the organization is big on not giving up the big play. That's their philosophy. Keep it in front of you. You give a field goal, so what? You you can live on a field goal. So that's been their philosophy, which means they're not going to be an uber-aggressive Wink Martindale, Jim Johnson kind of defense. Okay, we know that much, but we also know this guy's going to put his own twist and turns on it. Like I heard Brandon Graham talking this morning, and he kept kept mentioning how uh, and um, it was James Bradbury, excuse me, talking about how smart this guy is. They're 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 impressed with just how how smart. And we know the guy's got like eighteen degrees. He's a doctor, you know, et cetera. Right. right. So what are the touches he's going to put on? He's got more of a challenge in front of him. Let's face it, than Brian Johnson does because he's going to be counting on. Uh, Nicobe Dean on Reed Blankenship on Jalen Carter on Nolan Smith on Jordan Davis young guys um, and they lost some firepower you lost your leading interception man with CJGJ Hargrave who we talked about earlier with 11 sacks you lost some things over there his job's a little bit harder do you feel as confident that that defense is going to be where it was last year like the offense was well it, it's I think it's unfair to say the word confidence because and this is not a knock against Sean Desai, and it's unfair to say this, but it, but it's 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 true. He wasn't their first choice. He wasn't their second choice based on everything we heard in terms of who the Eagles were going after as a defensive coordinator. So he was like their third choice. But, you know, that's not fair to say that he can't succeed. You know, he had one year as a D.C. in Chicago. Then he went and became an assistant in Seattle. Um, I have no idea what a Sean Desai defense is going to look like or supposed to look like. And you're right. When you're that first-year guy and you've got a bunch of new coaches you're working with as well and a bunch of new personnel, you're trying to integrate the old with the new. You know, you got the 35-year-old Brandon Graham, the 33-year-old Fletcher Cox, you know, 
You've still got the guys like Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, who are in their prime. And then you got the two corners who are 30 plus. Yep. But you've got to sprinkle in a lot of guys in the middle, the Jordan Davises and the Kobe Deans, as you said, Blankenship. And even a new guy coming in, Terrell Edmonds. Mm-hmm. You know, and you got some kids waiting in a wing like Sidney Brown who are hungry to play as well. So it may take him a little bit longer to get a feel for what he has and how he wants to utilize it. It's unfair, I think, to critique him negatively or positively until we get a good sample of what he is. So I can't use the word confidence or lack of confidence in him because I don't know what we're supposed to be looking at just yet. Well, yeah, see, I still, I agree with you. I think everything you said is spot on. I, I think you weigh the talent that's there and there's, there's talent. It's just going to look a little bit different. The guys who have to, to, to get you there than last year um, versus who you're playing, you know, and again, just a reminder, okay, new England, not, you know, the greatest offense in the world, but you get past new England you have Minnesota, you know, you're going to have to be dealing with, with Justin Jefferson again and Kirk Cousins who puts up numbers. Uh, even Tampa with the questions at quarterback, you have two really good receivers, Evans yeah. and God, uh, you know, uh, Godwin. Godwin that you're yeah. dealing with. Uh, Washington, who's got McLaren and a lot of other weapons. The Rams, who, you know, a very smart offensive mind with McVay. Aaron Rodgers the next week, two of the next week. Dallas two weeks after that. Kansas City, Buffalo, San Fran, yep. Dallas again, Seattle, et cetera. You get you get where I'm going with this. You're going to be dealing with uh, uh, very talented teams that that hurt a lot of teams. Doesn't matter how good you are defensively. So you also have the challenge of not having the easier schedule that you had last year. I think the size is going to be fine. I do. Um, I, I I want him to put his imprint on this thing. I want him to get creative with this. We know some of the frustrations there were with Jonathan Gannon and and either changing things up or at times being a little bit more aggressive. I want to see this from Sean Desai. I think it's big. Absolutely. Um, He knows he's under the microscope. And I firmly believe that's a big reason why the Eagles brought in Matt Patricia also. Just to have a veteran presence, not look over his shoulder, but to compliment him. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say he's looking over his shoulder, you know, because that's, that's headline material, but he's here to help maybe see, uh, help decide, see things he might not see initially, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Kudos to the organization for identifying that. Right. And strengthening that side of the ball as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah, you absolutely. look at the multitude of coaches and players that you're trying to integrate together, you know, that just, just doesn't happen overnight, especially when you consider most of the frontline guys didn't play mm-hmm. on defense. Yep. All right. The, let, let's talk about departures before we get into either who stayed or new faces. So, uh, Hargrave, 11 sacks, CJ, GJ. We've referenced both of those guys a couple times. TJ Edwards, who, you know, maybe wasn't the most athletic guy in the world, but a very smart player, a uh, very solid player. Uh, Omar, e- uh, uh, Omar Epps. Omar Marcus Epps. Epps. <laughs> if we have, they had Omar Epps, I, I would like that. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Epps, yeah. uh, Kaiser White on the defensive side, offensively, Miles Sanders, Isaac Samalo. So, and I'm, I'm, you know, missing a few people there, but. Uh, in your estimation, how big collectively and are there, are there certain individuals you think they're going to miss more than others? Well, I, I think they're going to miss TJ Edwards more, more so than any other. He was the brain trust of that defense. He wasn't the fastest guy laterally, but he was so smart. Um, and he grew into that position, you know, and there's a reason why he parlayed that into a nice contract for himself going back home to Chicago. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be a, a big loss because now you're putting that position in the hands of a young, more athletic guy, but a guy who's got to see it over and over again, down and down and play and play. I think offensively, 
Miles Sanders is a loss, but they'll make up for it with the collection of guys that they have. You know, I don't think Miles Sanders will be as missed as some people may think he will be, um, be because of who they're throwing to out of the backfield, who they're handing the ball off to the, out of the backfield, who's going to step up in the hole and pick up a blitzer for him. You know, I don't think Boston Scott gets enough credit for his blocking prowess as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a small guy, but man, he is stout. Yeah. You know, uh, Gainwell. Still needs to work on his blocking a little bit, but Gainwell has so many other attributes to contribute. Um, and so that's why I think all the other areas they can make up for, but that one aspect of the middle of the defense, and let's face it, as good as that defense was, what was his biggest weakness? The run. The middle of the field and the run. Yeah. Are they better in those two areas? Don't know. Yeah. I, I think if you're gonna pull, if you're gonna look at anything, um, I, 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 it's interesting you went with Edwards even ahead of Hargrave. I, I, I think that's interesting. And I don't think it's wrong. I think it's, but it's most people are, are overlooking the contributions of Edwards. I, I think that um, it, in terms of a pass rush with the interior, you're going to have to get it collectively. It's going to have to be a little bit of Carter. It's going to have to be a little bit of Milton Williams. It's going to have to be a little bit of Jordan Davis. Nobody's going to get anywhere near double digit sacks in my estimation. Right. So you got to get it collectively. Fletcher's going to have to be around that seven range again, too. But where I want to see Jordan Davis really take off here is I want to be, I want to see him be the immovable force when it comes to the other team trying to run the ball up the middle. Right, right. He wasn't there yet last year. So now this year he needs to be there. Jalen Carter can play at the run and the pass. So he should be good against the run also. I want to see this team improve against the run. I think that's critical to their success because teams are going to want to run the ball on the Eagles to keep Jalen Hurts off the field. If you don't think that they're going to follow that Washington game plan that they had last year when they beat the Eagles here in Philadelphia, you're crazy. It's it's what they used to do to take Peyton Manning. It's what they used to do a lot of the great quarterbacks. Keep them off the field. That's what they're going to look to do. The, the, the reason why I didn't mention Hargrave was because as accomplished of a pass rusher as he was, he was a liability against the run. Big time. He wanted no parts of playing a run, and you saw it. Yep. You know, So he was basically one-dimensional for this team. Now, kudos to him. He parlayed that into an $84 million contract in San Francisco. You know, and who knows? He may play the run better in San Francisco, but here he did not. Mm-hmm. And it started to show, you know, down the stretch. Um, but when you talk about just complete player who was the brain trust, the eyes and the ears of that defense, it was T.J. Edwards. Yeah. There's no question. And players have told me that. Players players will admit that, that Edwards is a big loss. Mm-hmm. Now. His only deficiency was he was he was not just a job. He was an adventure when it came to pass coverage. Yeah. But he did so many things well for that defense in terms of deciphering offensive alignments, play, having players move before the snap of the ball, so on and so forth, stepping up in the hole to help stuff to run. You know, his his, his value to this team uh, is, is immeasurable in a lot of ways, and it's going to be a loss. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, he, he's not, was, was he the most athletic guy in the world? No, but he knew how to play football. Yeah. Um, all right, so let, let's look at, at at the guys who stayed. Now, they re-signed. I'm going to put these sort of both in the same category, even though they're different. Uh, they re-signed James Bradbury, who I think a lot of us thought he was going to go bye-bye. And then the Slay thing went a little crazy for a minute, but eventually they end up restructuring him. So they bring back both of their starting corners to go with Avante Maddox. How big is that, and how surprised were you that both guys ended up back here? Very surprised because I thought – Bradbury would take the money and run wherever it was, 
you know, but as I said, this spring and the summer, I'll say it again. Maybe the teams that were offering him the big money were teams that were rebuilding, retooling, going younger. And when you've had, when you've almost, when you've had a taste of that champagne, man, you want another taste. You don't want just a taste. You want a whole glass. And he was smart enough to realize what the Eagles are offering me is good money, may not be the best money, but I'm in a position where I can go back and probably hopefully change history in terms of getting that ring. Every player wants the ring. When you think about the volume of players that play in the National Football League, it's a small amount who get to wear that hardware at some point of their career, Mm -hmm. year in and year out. And he was on a team that came oh so close to doing it, and he's decided, well, you know what? Most of this team is coming back. And when you stack it up against what's going on in the NFC, you know, our chances are very good of getting back there if we can stay healthy and if we continue to build on the things we did last year. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not surprised. The 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 the, the uh, slate thing was interesting because if you remember at one point, he tweeted out one day. Well, it was you know basically it was nice being here. Yeah, it was like a goodbye. <laughs> but next, that's he's very emotional as, yeah. as we know. And then the next day he's he's re-upped again. You know? Yeah, yeah. But but the fact that they kept both of those guys here, they needed that. They knew that they needed the cornerstone mm-hmm. of what they want to do as a defense. Uh, Brandon Graham coming back. Didn't surprise me. Brandon Graham told us on this show, he's told me a number of times, it's not about money for him. It's about being comfortable. It's about feeling wanted, which he was by this organization. And it's, and it's you know, I, I just saw a quote of his not too long ago where he said, if they wanted this year, he may have to ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. 35 years old, get two rings in his career. That's not a bad way to go out. Finish no. my career where I started it for a defensive lineman. That's a rarity in today's game. Well, I think the other thing with BG is he has no problem with his role. Okay, I, I'm going to get, uh, you know, a, a X percentage of snaps. Yeah. I'm good. You know, he has no problem. There's no yeah. ego there. Less wear and tear on his body. He's fresher in December and into January. And if, if the team's winning, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about He's made his money. He's got two nice contracts in his career. Mm-hmm. So he's made his money. He's and, set. And, and I can guarantee you he's an awesome mentor for a Nolan Smith or, or whichever other young defensive lineman or anybody for that matter on either side of the ball. So he's the kind of guy you want around. He's a coach on the field. He's a model of how you go about your business and be a pro. You need to have some of those guys. And and, and he's still productive. Guy had double-digit sacks last year. So he's still very productive. So that that was big getting him back uh, for sure. There's no doubt. He's interesting. He's the, kind of, guy, he's the yeah. kind of guy that goes out of his way to help those behind him. Yeah. Because people before him helped him along the way, not just with football, but how to handle yourself in adversity, mm-hmm. how to deal with the Philadelphia market and the Philadelphia fan base. So he goes out of his way to do that. He's just gregarious by nature to begin with. But now he knows that this is the twilight of his career. His last hurrahs are coming up real quick, fast and furious. Yep. And he just wants to make sure that what he helped establish with his organization over his tenure continues long after he's gone. Agreed. And he just gets it. He is everything. He is a model of what you want it to be. Yep. Um, all right. So l- let's look at the younger guys then, Gunner. Uh, well, let me let me give you the running backs before I go there. You, you know, DeAndre Swift and, and Penny, very talented in their own rights, but two guys who have missed a lot of time, in particular Penny. Um, there was even some question for a minute if Penny was going to make this team. I, I didn't think there was much of a question there, but he makes it. He's more of the power guy. Swift is more finesse, space, home run hitter kind of guy. Um, let, let, let's, let's go through it one more time, how you see them being incorporated. Is it just a matter of 
each guy is going to get a, a decent amount of touches per game. One guy's playing really well. You're going to ride the hot hand. How do you go about this thing? And how do you see them using these guys? And not to mention Gamewell and Scott. So, somebody's touches are going to suffer. It's going to be about matchups. Yeah. You know, if they're playing a weaker defensive front, they're going to try to pound the ball with, with Penny and Gainwell between the tackles. If, if there's liabilities and pass coverage, whether it's from the linebackers to the safeties to the corners, you're going to see the balls, the backs getting the ball uh, out of the backfield when it comes to matchups. And that's what Swift is there for. Because of the quartet and the different styles of running backs they have, the two guys who have injury histories, I believe you can keep them fresher and, and keep them more durable because you don't have to give them as many touches. Right. Now, when Swift obviously was in Detroit, he wasn't a focal point because they had other backs. that They had Jamal Williams back there who was their feature back. But when Swift was in a game, he was that home run hitter, whether it was on a delayed draw, swing pass, you know, uh, swing pass to the flats, quick curl over the middle, you know, wheel routes down the sideline, whatever the case may be, that was his forte. And I expect to see that a lot of him in this particular offense. Mm -hmm. In Boston, Boston Scott is that Swiss Army knife. He can catch it. He can run it. He can block it. He can do so many different things for him. I think Scott will get the fewest touches overall out yeah, of the four too. backs. You know, but um, I think with the other three in particular, because of their different styles, I think it's all going to come down to who we're facing down in distance. Yeah, I think so too. And and then keep the other thing that, that that can hurt these guys maybe in some cases is and it's a good thing for the Eagles. You have a quarterback who's so good at the quarterback sneak if you have short yardage, or if he's on the goal line, he's gonna keep it himself because it's the there there's just less that has to happen. I mean, you don't have to hand the ball off. He takes the snap, he keeps it, he gets in there. Yeah, is there a little bit of a risk of an injury? Sure. There definitely is, but that may hurt some guys' touchdown totals. Whatever. I, I don't care. Uh, however the Eagles score, they score. I don't, I, the bottom line is get the ball in the end zone. Exactly. How you do it? Get in the end zone. All right, so let's look at this year's draft crop uh, among them. Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown. Uh, four guys. One's a D tackle. One's an edge. One is an offensive lineman, and one's a safety. Now, you're talking about uh, a defensive tackle spot that has an opening – because Javon Hargrave left, you're talking about an edge spot where the Eagles like to, to incorporate a rotation there. And we don't know quite where Smith will fall. Will he be ahead of Derek Barnett? You, you know, I, I think he probably will, but you don't know. Tyler Steen, who probably won't get time unless there's injuries, but he has versatility to be able to play tackle or guard. And then Sidney Brown, there's very much an opportunity for him to get on the field at that safety spot. So but let's hit these guys, and you tell me who you think makes the biggest contribution this year. I would have to say Jalen Carter. Um, I, I can't wait to see him shoot gaps, um, run down the field, run down the, the line of scrimmage laterally with his quickness, um, his ability uh, to shed blockers with that swim move of his. Um, I, I just think he's going to be a, a breath of fresh air in that defensive front. Um when he was arguably considered the best defensive player in the draft, along with the guy who Houston took, you got one of two premier defensive players, mm -hmm. one of the top two premier defensive players. Okay. And if he's that good, I want to see him every down. We saw a small sample in the preseason, obviously, but that's nothing like what's going to come. And especially coming out of the gate, if, if, if New England's offensive line is that banged up, he has an opportunity to come out of the gate and set a tone for his season right from the very start. 
Mm-hmm. And I expect him uh, to be a force in that defensive line for years to come with this team. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any limitation. I don't think there's going to be any hesitation. Like they may, they like to keep guys fresh, but I think early in the year, Jalen Carter, uh, in terms of just snaps, it may be down a little bit, just to sort of work up his stamina and get used right, to the NFL. Right. But I'm telling you, man, by the time we get to midway through or late in the season, you're going to have a hard time getting him off the field because he's going to be so good in, on, on both ends, whether it's the run, whether it's the pass. I think he's going to be that good. I, I, the only thing I worry about Nolan Smith is staying healthy. Can that is that arm all right? If the arm's all right, he's going to make an impact with his pass rush. Yeah, he is. He's too yeah. strong. He's too. He's got too many moves. He's too bendy, if you will, uh, coming off that edge. I think he's going to be big, and I think week five ish, you're going to see Sidney Brown probably starting. Um, week five. Wow. Uh, it's pretty early, I know. I, and I, the only thing I would worry about is you're already really young out there with Reed Blankenship, too. So maybe that plays into it a little bit. But I I think he's going to make an impact. I do worry about one thing with him as well, and that's staying healthy. He's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. No. And to his credit, he's not afraid to throw his body around. He will lay into you, man. And guys like that, sometimes I always reference Bob Sanders. I don't know if they're built for the super long haul. Uh, but I think he only has one gear, Derek. He can't play it any other way. No, it's just it's just how they harness that energy. You know, once he gets the technique down that they want him to get down to use that speed and energy, he's going to be a tremendous asset. But when you start throwing your body around and you hit somebody the likes of a DK Metcalf or body, I've seen dudes, you know, catch him blindsided, catch Metcalf blindsided, and end up laying there on the ground because they got hurt. Ward and DK did, and DK standing there looking at him like. You okay? You know, yeah, right um, now, there's not many receivers built like AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, but they're going to come across a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I think once they get him to where they want him in terms of deciphering what he sees in front of them and still being as explosive as he is and continuously improving his tackling technique so that he's not hurting himself, um, they're not going to be able to keep him out of the lineup. Nolan Smith, I love how he can stand up a tackle off the edge and shed the blocker and get down the line of scrimmage, whether it's to the outside or the inside, and especially to the outside, and stretch a runner to keep him from turning up the field. Yeah, um, He's a little bit on the smaller side, but, man, he is strong. He is lightning fast, um, and he's going to be a nice compliment to Hassan Reddick on that outside. He really is. Uh, you know, and you just wonder um... – you know, will we ever see those guys on opposite sides, you know, on the field at the same time? Is he strictly going to be a replacement to, to get, uh, you know, Hassan a break and all that? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like ultimately. I don't know what the role of Derek Barnett is going to be. He, you know, we know he's back. We know they shopped him a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still here for sure. And then we mentioned Brandon Graham is still there. Um, this should be a team, I, I've said before, I'll say it again, that in my opinion will be in the top three in sacks in the NFL. I think they're going to be that good. If, if you look and, at all the talent. And that's not, and that's not overstating or, or, or a hype. They have the talent to do it. Plain and simple. They have the talent to do it. Uh, and the rotation, they're very big on their depth at, at the tackle spots and at the edge spots so that people are not overused. And by the fourth quarter, their guys are a lot fresher than the offensive lines they face. Yep. And so I agree with you. I expect them to be no worse top three or four in quarterback sacks this year. Keep in, in mind – does, does, does that mean they get 70 sacks again? No. They could get 55 or 60 and still be 
at the forefront of the sack department. Yeah, that, that and that's a huge number. I, I I would if you told me right now that they're going to get fifty five, I'd say sign me up. I would take it in two seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Derek and I mentioned off the top of the show. You know, New England goes into this game already banged up at their offensive line. Riley Reef, their right tackle out. We know that both guards are banged up a little bit right now. Hopefully, well, Belichick's not always the most forthcoming guy, but we'll see if we get any reports out of New England. But this should be a game where a, a team that we expect to be able to get sacks against a, a non-mobile quarterback should be able to do some things uh, against Mac Jones. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they're able to, to pull that off. All right, we come back. We'll do a little hybrid here. We'll do a combo of the Phillies and continue with the Eagles discussion because at 1.30 we have Jeff McLean from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's going to be joining us. We'll get a preview of the season from Jeff. We have our usual NFL segment coming up at 2 o'clock. Uh, I'll tell you about somebody uh, uh, – in the in the media uh who was a an og insider who was stepping down derek we'll get into that uh a bunch of other stuff when we come back with the phillies man that was a white knuckle agita hang on for for dear life like the by your fingernails you're on the cliff like please yeah one of those deals last night uh so we'll get into that when we come back don't go anywhere that's derek gunn i'm rob ellis we're sports take Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a real challenge, can be really, really difficult. Well, I don't want you to have to go through the same things that I went through. I turned to Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, and it was the right move for me, and I've never looked back, and you won't either. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and it was the best thing I could have done. Uh, give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
You're in save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. with you on this uh on this tuesday that's the the beauty of the holiday for for a minute you think it's monday and then you realize it's tuesday you're ahead of the game this week yes hanging out with you and it is a game week that is the key that is the big news yes and it can't come soon enough man eagles patriots 425 on sunday nfl season kicks off thursday night when the lions travel to the chiefs we'll give you an update on some players holding out what's going on around the nfl uh, in the two o'clock hour, like we always do. All right, l- let's hit some uh, Phillies real quick here, Gunner, uh, because last night, last night looked like a laugher. Uh, early on, you know, it, it's eight one, and you're like, ah, put the feet up. This is gonna be a chill kind of night. Yeah, yeah. And I'm flipping over to to Clemson Duke, <laughs> thinking the Phillies are just gonna run away. <clears throat> and I go back, and that's oh, it's gone. It's nine four. Eh, all right, not, no no big deal go back again and all of a sudden this thing's starting to get really really dicey and they survive and and this is where sometimes you need good fortune here here's what i mean by this so bottom of the eighth yep it's nine seven phillies kimbrell kimbrell ain't looking good again okay he's scaring you again two straight walks after getting the first out double steal rail muto's throw gets by sosa Yep. Uh, yeah, Sosa. And it hits the umpire, Brian O'Nor, actually in the throat. It's kind of nasty. Yeah. Hit him in the throat. I don't Trey Turner was trying to back up, but I don't know that he would have gotten there quick enough, Derek. He wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah, that could have been that could have tied the game. Yes. And instead they don't advance. The runners don't advance. And then Kimbrell wiggles out somehow. Uh and then Alvarado in the ninth. Same thing. Walks the first two guys. You're like, here we go. Dude, your pitching staff is is going to give people a heart attack. <laughs> I don't know what it is with this pitching staff. We talked about this late last week, and I presented the question to you. I said, which pitcher on this staff do you trust right now? And we agreed in unison, none of them. No. There's not what that that's scary. That is scary. Wheeler. I trust Wheeler. That's it. Um, uh, I'm not there with Wheeler. I All think right. he, I think he's the best of the lot right now. Yeah. But in terms of just total trust when he steps to the hill, because I've seen some kinks in his armor also. Yeah. I, and, and then you, you, your boy Nola goes out again, gives up the home runs again. Same thing. You know, just when we thought he had two good outings, here he goes again. Yeah, he was bad the other day. I look, I agree. And then last night, you know, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker, let, oh, let, let's let, let's call it like we see it. He's very, very fortunate. He gets unbelievable run support 
almost every time he pitches. Dude, it's the 20 and seven when he's on the mound. Yeah. He's yeah. the first Phillies pitcher to get 15 or more wins since Nola did it in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. thinking, how did he get there? Well, I mean, it, right. The, the thing is, if you look at it, if you look at, I mean, his ERA, uh, you know, it, it, it's 415. You know, for example, or uh, yeah, yeah, four one game winner ERA, and he's a fifteen game winner. Like it, it's crazy. It just doesn't make sense. He's got a one three two WHIP. I, you know, again, he's fortunate. They 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 stake into these big leads and and or they come back if he gives runs up. He wasn't good enough last night. I mean, not by any stretch is that acceptable. What he did last night, dude. He threw hundred and three pitches in five innings and only sixty one strikes. Yeah, that's not a good ratio. No, not even not. close to a good ratio. Tyler's right. Jeff Hoffman has done a nice job, but here's and he has. Yeah. I'm taking nothing away from him. But here's the question I would ask you, Tyler. And, and and I'm not saying that you're saying this, but would you really want him in in a gigantic spot in a playoff setting? No. And do you feel like he could close for you in, in, no. in a pinch? I, you know, I don't. I don't feel like either of those things. So I, I'm worried about Kimbrell. I'm worried about Alvarado. I, and I don't know that Rob Thompson has a good option here. I don't know what what you do. Oh, yeah. And Soto stinks. I'm tired of seeing Soto. Wait, wait. This is the same Soto we were applauding earlier this year, throwing BBs. But you're right, Rob. Yeah. He's, he's off the cliff now. What the heck happened to him? Gunner, he's got a five ERA. What happened to him? Uh, he he is a total – He he's the most inconsistent pitcher out of the bullpen for them. He can look really, really good because he's got awesome stuff, or he can be a disaster area. You know, You never know what you're getting with the guy, and it's frustrating as heck. You cannot expect this this battery, this this batting lineup to score eight, nine runs a game for you every night, i.e. the Brewers series. You know, and they should have won that first game against the Brewers if it wasn't for Bone booting that ball. Yeah. But they still they still only scored five, five, and four against the Brewers pitching staff. Why? Because as we talked about, Brewers have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're gonna come across eventually the Dodgers and the Braves. You know, and you're not going to be able to score seven, eight, nine runs a game. Nope, not you've, got to, you've got to get somebody to step to that hill that can put out the fire consistently for you, as you did last playoffs. Last playoff, they had those arms. Yep. Most of those guys are back except a few additions. It's worse this year than last year. It is. It is. And it didn't look like that early. I mean, early on, you remember when we were saying, man, Turner's got to start hitting. Schwarber's hitting a buck 80. Like Bubba Har- Harper's not here; he doesn't have the power. That bullpen and those, and for the most part, the starters really carried you. And I think maybe the workload or whatever—I don't know what—is caught up with everybody. It looks like it's caught up with Kimbrel. It looks like it's caught up with Alvarado's been—I don't know—up and down and hurt and all that. But all those kind of things, I think, have finally caught up with them, where you were just maybe asking too much of them, but. Derek, what you need desperately over the course of the next three, whatever today is, three-plus weeks, is for these guys to settle in and, and and get it together. If not, it's hard in the playoffs to put up a nine spot every game and outscore teams all the time. You see, Ty- Tyler brings up a good point in the chat. <clears throat> Who's the closer for the playoffs? As we sit uh, here today, my honest answer is I don't know. Yeah, that's my honest answer. I too. don't know. Like, I think Thompson would go with Kimbrell, but if you're if you're asking me if I have any faith in that, no. I have no faith in that. He he can't find a play consistently anymore, nope. as he did in July, in June. No. no, he can't. He can't find a play this last few outings. He can't. You know, he and it was weird. Even like 
Alvarado looked awful like the first three batters, and then all of a sudden yeah. he figured it out and he looked great in, yeah. in, in the middle of an inning. Do you, do you want to take that chance, though, against the Dodgers and the Braves yeah. lineup? Those guys will tattoo you. Like, and again, San Diego is a good lineup, but we know San Diego for whatever reason all year is kind of underachieved. Yeah, the, the, the Braves and the Dodgers and and those teams will will destroy you. They will destroy you. Yeah, and especially the way the Cunha is playing right now, Duh. he 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 is a man on a mission. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that whole Braves lineup. Every time I look at the box score, they have a minimum three home runs a game. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they, well, they come out early. Like, they're, they're ready in the first inning, and all, all of a sudden you look, you blink, and it's 6 nothing. Like, you, they just come out and bludgeon you from the jump. You know, and then same thing with I mean, Mookie Betts, Freeman, what those guys are going to do to you. Oh so, you know, the, the, look, here's the good news. is it, they, They're really hitting, the Phillies are. I mean, Turner again, two more hits, another home run. Yeah, yeah. Derek, he's been unbelievable. 17 straight games with a hit. Uh, yeah. His numbers are just insane. Schwarber, to his credit, is is starting to hit a little bit more and it isn't just home runs two for three last night yes he did have yeah. a jack but three runs scored three walks i mean he's on base five times last night yeah that's what you want out of your leadoff man yes you know? hey he's, he's 193 now he's approaching 200 yes he's getting there he's doing a nice job but uh boom uh big game yeah. last night and the nice thing too is stott who was real cool four in that five. in that brewer yeah. series how about four for five last night for bryson stott you're going to need that. I mean, yeah. but I, I can't see the – if you had told me that last night the only one in that entire lineup who would not have a hit is Bryce Harper, <laughs> I, know. I would take that bet 100 times out of 100. Yeah. Harper went 0 for 4 in this game, Yeah, you know, and he had two strikeouts. If you had, to, you, if you had told me, pick a guy if, – if we knew the outcome of this game, 16 hits, nine runs, 16 hits. If you had told me to pick a guy who would not have a hit in this lineup, Bryce Harper would be the last guy. <laughs> I, I would agree. Have, I agree. I mean, he's over his last 16. He hasn't had a hit in the Brewer series in the first game of this one. So he, uh, we'll see. We'll see if he get it, get it going. I, I, I think he will eventually. Um, but yeah, but they have swung a really good bat. I just don't want to see them get to the playoffs and just waste this stuff, Derek. Now, one other thing that crept back last night that they've been better at lately, even though they put up a nine spot, they were three for 17 with runners in scoring position yep. last night. They, yep. they had opportunities to make this like a 15 run game early yes, and they weren't able to do it. So that that's something I just, you, you want to see from them is just be better there uh, with those opportunities. And again, I know they still scored nine runs. I understand that, but you could have really put it out of reach no matter what the bullpen ended up doing. They left 12 men on base. They easily could have scored 15 yeah. runs in this game. And, and again, San Diego wasn't good with the runners in scoring position no. either. So, no. all right. So that, that's the, uh, that's where the Phillies are. Game two, interesting tonight. You get Lorenzen tonight. So since the no-hitter, Derek, three straight games where he has not looked good. And that trend has to stop tonight. He's got to get it together tonight. Hey, uh, look, as bad as the Padres pitching staff is, they can hit. Oh, yeah. They can they hit. Can hit. Yeah. This is going to be a good test for him tonight. Yeah. Now, this if this turns out being the fourth start in a row where he has a problem, if he can't get past the fifth inning, yeah. and if he gets tattooed early, you got a major problem because you brought this guy in specifically to, to bolster this, this starting rotation. And he did exactly that his first two outings. He looked like a world beater the first two outings. Then all of a sudden, it makes sense now why he was seven and six, you know, before he got here. Yeah. You know, his mechanics have been off. Yep. His velocity has not been there. 
his breaking pitches have not been there. He's been hanging breaking pitches across the plate like Nola has. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's like it's like an epidemic. Yeah. With yeah. this pitching staff. And this hey, this is a lot of money invested in this pitching staff. Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Hey, look, and you gave up prospects to get Lorenzen in here. So yes. um, all right, let, let's jump back to the Eagles, and I want to hit you with this. It, it is Tom Brady day, afternoon, night, whatever it turns into at uh at, at Gillette Stadium. Is that what it's still called? Is it still called Gillette? Uh I believe so. Who knows? These stadiums change names. I know. Uh, anyway, wherever, wherever the Patriots play, um, he's going to be honored. It's the first time he's going back there as a non-player. And uh, he, he had some interesting things to say. He talked about how, you know, it's weird. You go back and, you you know, you have all the good memories. But when you're still playing, you remember certain things that guys said negatively, positively, whatever. He's like, it's nice to go back as a fan. I get you just, just to go back and chill and be a fan and have my family there. So he's going back. Uh, he's going to be honored at halftime, but it's also just going to be Brady mania. We know that. So here's the thing. This works one of two ways for the home team. They obviously could ride the wave of emotion and it can help them in a big way. But I wonder like if the Eagles go out right away and punch them in the mouth and score or create a turnover or something like that, that, that just quiets the crowd. Does it go the opposite way too? Can, can you make that work for you if you're that road team? in this kind of circumstance, if you're the Eagles? Absolutely. You can take that crowd out of this game real quick. You get a couple of turnovers, a couple of quick scores, and put them in a hole. The, the, the adrenaline rush is going to be incredible because it is a season opener. It's Tom Brady night. They're playing it at home, and they feel they have a team that can compete in that division. But all that adrenaline will last maybe about a quarter. Then it settles into just playing football. It comes down to executing the X's, X's and O's and making the big plays versus uh, negating the opposition for making the big plays. Mm-hmm. And because I think the Eagles have a superior talent, that crowd's going to be real quiet um, when the latter half of that game rolls around. you know. But if they let New England stay in that game, that place is going to be at a fever pitch. And that's what you don't want because it could affect the silent count, so on and so forth in that court, fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, yep. um, it could cost your team to use timeouts when you don't want to use them because you can't hear the play coming in. You know, a lot of different scenarios could disrupt the continuity of what you're trying to accomplish. Take that team, take that fan base out of the game early and just force them to sit there and watch their team starting the season 0-1. Yeah, I, that's the thing, too. Like, And I do believe there there can be some positive merit as far as being the Patriots. But, you know, let's also be real. Brady's not playing in the game. No, <laughs> like, it's all well and good. Everybody's excited. We all know what he's been. At the end of the day, though, he's not out on the field and, you know, it can't make that you, – you can allow it not to be that big a difference if you're the Eagles. Right. Plain and simple. Yep. So that's going to be something else to, to keep your eye on uh, in this game. And, and, look, New England's a team that we know defensively is stout, but we also know offensively can struggle. They have some new pieces. Uh, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, they add him. They bring in some other pieces as well. Um, they should be able conceivably to run the ball, Derek. And I think that's where they're going to try and make their hay early in this thing is pounding the ball. But you got to know that O'Brien's got a couple tricks up his sleeve, you would think at least, to try to get them sort of kick-started a little bit. He knows what it looked like last year, you know, but taking this thing over. If the Patriots are able to establish the run, it's going to make that game a lot closer than it should be, plain and simple. Yep. And that's where that point spread really comes into play. Yeah. Um, 
I just hope I just hope and pray that they cannot establish the run. The fact that their offensive line is banged up bodes well for this Eagles defensive front seven. No question about that. But if somehow, some way, they find a way to run the ball, and they had a thousand yard rusher last year. They had offensive line problems last year, and they still found a way to they have a thousand yard rusher, and they what won seven games as well. Yes. Yep. You know, yep. And, and, and it was Mac Jones. Mac Jones was not even close to what he was his rookie season. No. You know, they still found a way shell of himself. Yeah. Seven, seven games. So I don't want to see this game being a close game, a nail biter down to the end, especially with the Eagles playing this one on the road. Oh no, no, you don't want that. No, you, you don't want. I, I, as I said earlier, I think the 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 scenario is you don't want them just sort of hanging around, and all of a sudden, you know, feeling good about themselves. And if they're able to, you know, to do that, I think that's the formula for them, uh, for sure. The formula for the Eagles is get out to a fast start. Get out to a fast start. Force New England to have to pass. And if you yep. do that, yep. that's where you can take advantage of of the Eagles' pass rush and that offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's a little bit weak. So I think that's if you're the Eagles, that's exactly how you're 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 going about this thing. Um, and as I said earlier, I, you know, how much I, I thought about this with Matt Patricia. Like you obviously feel a big loyalty to Bill Belichick, right? Um, but you're employed by the Eagles now. Like, are you spilling every little ounce of the secrets if you're him? Do you hold anything back at all? out of loyalty how do you how do you go about it if you're getting debriefed by the eagles hey you're loyal to whoever pays the check and puts food on the table for your family yeah we said how many times do we see teams sign players who have cut who are cut by opponents coming up yeah and then after they play that opponent that player's cut it's all about intel all about trying to get that upper hand Mm -hmm. you know and and, and i guarantee you patricia's going to give them everything he can and then some about how belichick thinks in downs and distance situations, what to watch for, how do you know when the Patriots are about to blitz, every little tidbit he can give them to tip tip his hand in the favor of the Eagles, he'll give them. You know, who pays who pays your salary now? Philadelphia Eagles, not the New England Patriots. Yeah. yeah. That's the game of football. I'm loyal to whoever employs me. Well said. That that's the game of life. Yes. <laughs> so, exactly. Um all right, let, let's yeah, yep. Let's get a timeout in here and we'll come back. And we're looking forward to talking to Jeff McLean from the Philadelphia Inquirer, who covers the birds uh, in a great, great way. We'll get his preview of the upcoming season, what his impressions were, what Nick Sirianni had to say today. We'll do all those things with Jeff when we get back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about ProAction Restoration. Yes, if you have a home, you have a business, you have a property, you go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, of fire, of smoke, or mold damage to that property, you're not really sure how to go about it, Who's the who to reach out to to get help. Well, ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week. And that is so critical because, look, these things don't always just happen between the hours of nine and five, right? They happen at night. They happen on the weekends. They happen on holidays. Happened to me on a weekend at my parents' house, and I got ProAction Restoration over there. And the crew was just amazing. They cleaned it up. The They were professional. The price was reasonable. It was an o- overall great experience. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro-action restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, if you're not really sure, you can reach out to them for a consultation. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610 610- 623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Alright, welcome back in everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with us as it is game week. Yes, it is. Eagles Patriots Sunday 425 at Foxborough. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis hanging with you. Haven't had the opportunity to talk to our next guest in a bit. It's always fun having him on the show. Does an awesome job covering the birds for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Also, I, I would suggest everybody listen to his podcast, Uncovering the Birds. It's absolutely awesome. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore McClay. What's going on, Jeff? How are you? Rob? What's you up, man? How you, you doing? Today? Good. Good. Jeff, we're good, man. This is a little calm before the storm, my friend. This is, uh, I guess, the last off day, and then, you know, they're, they're back at it tomorrow in preparation for the game here. Um, uh, let me ask you, uh, we were talking about the Matt Patricia thing a little bit earlier. Is that just a, a media 
sort of creation that there could be a real advantage here with debriefing him, if you will, or whatever for this game in particular, or do you think it could be a more of a, of an impactful storyline? Um, I mean, I think he certainly can kind of give him a little bit of an idea of some of the scheme stuff that they, that Bill does, but I mean, good. I'm speaking Bill O'Brien specifically because uh, he's now returned as the offensive coordinator and uh, there's probably a little bit of an unknown there. And just the fact that he, um, you know, that he, that he hasn't been the offensive coordinator for the, for the Patriots in a long time. So, um, and, and there's not a lot of film and I guess, uh, and that can kind of give him a little bit of a, of an idea. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick's defense is kind of, um, you know, the great thing about his defense is it really doesn't, it's undefinable in a lot of ways. It's very much uh, dependent upon who they're, who they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure there's certain things that he can give in terms of the, the defense as well. Um, you know, but I, I see, you know, we all know Matt Patricia was defensive coordinator primarily was the one that the Eagles faced in the Super Bowl, but he was the offensive coordinator last year um, with not very good uh, results and which is why Bill O'Brien's back in there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a factor. I don't think it's a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's that much of a factor when it comes down to okay. it. Hey, Jeff, uh, during his um, uh, conference today, Nick Sirianni was very coy about who's starting at certain positions. Are you surprised by that? No, I mean, that's kind of been Nick's thing. It's most coaches' things. Why give this information when you don't have to? My opinion on that is, you know, I don't think it really matters if the, the Patriots know that, you know, Justin Evans or Terrell Evans or Sidney Brown is the is the starting safety opposite um, Reed Blankenship. Although I'm not really sure it's going to be one guy. I think it could be matchup-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, rotating in and out depending upon the personnel package um i mean there will certainly be a third safety and some sort of big nickel and dime situation so you know you could see all three of them out there on the field at some point i mean they know the personnel um i think the the bigger um unknown is the scheme right i mean sean desai has one year and there's a belt that you can look at the film with the Bears two years ago, and we know he comes from the Vic Fangio school of defense. We know what that entails. Uh, we know that, you know, you're going to see a little more zone than man, probably a fair amount of zone more than man, a lot of two high safety looks, or at least pre-snap looks with two safeties, but also a lot of two high safety uh, uh, coverages. Um, you're going to have multiple fronts. You're going to, um, you know, ask a lot of your linebackers in terms of uh, – route uh route responsibilities um so i mean like we have a general idea but to me uh that's the great unknown here with this eagles team this season is what is sean decide going to do how he's uh, you know is he going to pre- bring more pressures is he going to blitz more um mm-hmm. jonathan gannon in the past he was kind of more um in this one year was like kind of on the lower end of that and that's generally fangio does blitz but doesn't blitz a lot um, but you know, his philosophy is very much in line with what Gannon was like in terms of not only Vic Fangio, but also don't give up the explosive play, keep things in front of you. Um, now I don't, I don't think with this team, uh, that they're facing that they have to do that as much. I don't think Mac Jones right. really scares you offensively. They don't really scare you that defensive front. I mean, excuse me, that offensive line is bruised and battered. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even know he's going to be at right tackle for this game. And that certainly plays to the Eagles advantage. Uh, here on Sunday. 
Jeff, of the uh, let's stay on the defensive side here of the unknown slash young guys, uh, be it Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, uh, Nolan Smith, Reed Blankenship, which of those guys do you think will have the biggest impact this season? Uh, impact or be the most important? I mean, you meant you know, if you're asking me impact, it had to be Nicobe Dean. He's going to be out there for every snap. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Reed Blankenship was going to be out there for every snap, but I think linebacker, the linebacker is more important in the scheme. Um, impact. Um, probably Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nicobe has the ability to make splash, splash plays. Um, I think it's going to be up and down for him a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, but do you um, think Carter hits the ground running a little bit more than, than anybody else that is, is, is most ready to, I guess, I mean, to play right now? Yeah. I mean, he's going to look that position. Typically you don't step into the NFL and all of a sudden make an impact. It's tough. Right. Um, just because of you're going up against these massive but athletically freakish interior linemen. And the same goes for edge guys. So I, I bring Nolan Smith in this conversation as well. It's probably going to be harder for him. He's got to get that NFL body a little more. He's obviously on the smaller side. He's looked good, explosive out there. You see the obvious talent that he has and why the Eagles were able to uh, – why the Eagles drafted him in the first round. But Jalen Carter, um, I mean, he's already kind of there physically and size and athleticism. And look, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have games where they're going to double team him. And all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't do much of anything. Um, but I think it's fair to say that when it's all done in the season, he could be in the mix for defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be my answer. Okay. All right, Jeff. So you've been there every day training camp. You've seen all three preseason games. As we sit here today on the Tuesday before the Eagle season officially gets underway, What's your number one storyline in terms of what you're watching for or want to see in this first game? Um, well, I guess we touched a little bit on the size scheme. That would be my number one. But since we went over that, uh, I guess number two is just I want to see how they use Jalen Hurts in the run game. Okay. Um, I, I, I think it's still going to be the plus one factor is still going to be very much a part of this, this offense. It's a huge part of the offense last year. Zone reads in terms of how it opened up things for the other running backs and for Jalen to take advantage of our PRs, our run pass run, run pass whatever options, uh, plays that um, are going to be a part of this offense as well. But, you know, obviously, you know, Nick, had, whenever he's asked, been asked this question, he says, oh, you know, just because Jalen Hurts was on a rookie contract doesn't mean I was exposing him more to contact than I would now that he signed the contract extension, the franchise quarterback contract extension, but it's something they have to consider. And it's something that I think um, they're going to have to be prepared for too. Cause I think teams are going to find ways to take that away. There are ways to take that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Todd Bowles did it in the playoff game two years ago, forced the Eagles to throw. Of course, Jalen Hurts showed by year three that, you know, he can carry the offensive load on his arm if need be. Um, that being said, that is still an important component of the offense. And again, you just don't want to expose him to harm more than you need to. Yes, run him a few times, run those zone reads, you know, give him the option here and there, take off. The draw plays, as productive as they were, and basically that won them the game in Indianapolis last year and was a factor in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were like running power left, power right with Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl because he was the best athlete on the field and the Chiefs couldn't stop him. And I mean, but, but do you really want to do that a lot 
and then expose him to potential harm. And then all of a sudden he's out for an extended period or whatever. No. So I'm interested to see how that, that will play out. Jeff, how would you compare and contrast his camp this year from, from say last year, Jalen better or worse, the same. Yeah. Yeah, He he got off to a rocky start early in camp last year. Um, And then he kind of got in the groove and you can see what we end up seeing. But again, it's tough to see. They didn't play. He only played, I think, one drive. Yeah, the, the Jets series. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then, like, you know, for instance, there was, like, they had the one joint practice with the Dolphins. supposed to be two. Dolphins had to cancel the second one for a reason. But there were a bunch of reporters down there from Philadelphia who watched it, and Jalen was kind of checking down a fair amount on a lot of the drives. And a few of them had written, oh, you know, because two was throwing it downfield on the Eagles defense that – day who knows what they were working on maybe there's a reason why and then we end up seeing that to it they they had a big play offense you know it was understandable plus you got Tyree Kill and you got Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle so there was a comparison being made and it's like oh Jalen you know wasn't didn't look okay whatever you know and then Nick was asked about the next day and it's like you know and again we don't we don't have the luxury of film and mm-hmm. and that's why when I do the practice observations I always couch it with you know or it seems like this because you don't. And even when you see it live or even when you watch it again, sometimes you don't even know. And, 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 J- and Nick was like, no, he did the right thing here. He, you know, they played a cover two. Uh, that play was dead. He took the check, check down where he needed to. And so you, you saw, you saw Jalen and how he was just willing to kind of do that and knew where, when to go down and when not to go down. And that's what we saw play out the season this year. Um, I would say almost from the get go, mm-hmm. it was just like Jalen was making the right throw almost every time. Um, now there were, there were certainly a couple practices where you know, he threw an interception here and there. Um, I think he had an interception in, in the joint practice with the Browns. That first practice w- with them, it wasn't great. Now the offensive line got beat up. Jordan Mylotta had no, no answer, um, for Miles Garrett. So that factored a lot into with Jalen, how he had done as well. But I thought overall, yes, I think, I think Jalen just see him just taking another, Step in terms of his comfort, I think it's going to be harder for him. It's possible he regresses uh, statistically this year. I don't think it's going to be a major drop-off, but it's possible he does do that. But I think in the bigger picture, sometimes you got to take one step back to take a step forward or two steps forward. I think that could be this type of year for Jalen Hurts. Jeff, tell me if you agree or disagree with this. The Eagles will be one of the top four running teams in the National Football League, but they won't have a 1,000-yard individual rusher because of the depth and versatility in that backfield. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, we've seen now two years under Nick Sirianni, they've had the best, one of the best, or if you take those two two years and put them together, the best rushing offense. Yeah. And Jeff Stoutland has a huge uh, part hand in that. Um, And certainly Jalen Hurts, as we talked about, is a a huge part of that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much they can kind of uh, balance that um, with having him involved in the run game and not having him involved in the run game. And, of course, you can't mention the youth run game without mentioning their offensive line, one of the best in the league. Um, just like Maulers in the run game in terms of Landon Dickerson and, and Jordan Mailata on that left side. Uh, obviously, Lane Johnson on the right side. Well, you know, pass protection is more his MO. He's, he's good at run, run blocking, but he's more of a – pass protection is, is what he's the best at. Jalen Kel- Jason Kelsey, of course. So, uh, and then Cam Jurgens, you bring in there, and I think he's a p- pretty good run blocker. So that's you know that's going to give him that. In terms of answering your question, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I th- I think DeAndre Swift will probably be the guy who gets the most snaps per game. Uh, a lot has to do with the fact that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, but uh, you know, Miles Sanders got a thousand plus, plus yards last year, right? 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, you got Rashad Penny. A lot of it's going to depend on his health. And I think Kenny Gamewell, you'll see a little more of him in the run game this year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's, it's interesting with him is that, you know, the Eagles, when they draft him, are like, oh, we see him as Naheem Hines out of the backfield, catching pass. That really hasn't been how it's played out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see more swift in that role. But I think Kenny can run the ball. And mm-hmm. I think you'll probably see um, have him have games where maybe he goes over 100 yards. I think it's going to be sprinkled around. It's going to be a by-committee approach. Jeff, I know you went down to Mississippi uh, and, and kind of got a feel for for A.J. Brown and, you know, where he's from, upbringing, all that kind of stuff. Give us some takeaways, man, some some of the things that you learned. And people can check that out, obviously, uh, Inquirer.com, and you, you can link up to that on your on your Twitter, Twitter handle as well. Yeah, make sure you take out a little time because it's a long story. But, uh, you know, I, I really – the idea of going down there, and I asked J.J. right after the Eagles uh, traded for him, hey, you know, can I come down and, and meet your people? go to your hometown, this, that, the other thing. And he's like, you know, I, I don't want to do that yet. You know, um, I want to kind of deliver. And I got the message was delivered to me from Eagles people that like he wanted to kind of deliver upon the hundred million dollar contract, all the collateral, I mean, all the, um, all the draft picks they gave up to move up for him. And then I kind of went back to him again after this offseason. I'm like, Hey, you don't have that excuse anymore. <laughs> you delivered this year, obviously yeah. best numbers the Eagles have had from a receiver since Terrell Owens. In 2004, and I said, okay, um, I saw that he was having a camp uh, for youth ki- uh, for youths in, in uh, Oxford, which is where Ole Miss is. And I said, hey, maybe I'll come down for that. Maybe I also hit down his Scar- Starkville. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. You'll meet all my, you can meet all my family and go this, that, or the other thing. He had another camp the next day in Starkville. So actually, I started in Starkville, went to Oxford, and then went back to Starkville the next day to get AJ individually and talk to, obviously, teachers, coaches, his parents, his sisters – um, friends of his, um, the bar- local bartender, uh, bar- barber that used to cut his hair to get a sense of what AJ is all about and how Starkville made him. And, you know, AJ um, has been very open about his mental health issues and, and a couple of years admitted that he had um, thoughts of suicide and had, he had struggled with depression in 2020 when he was injured a lot. I think that factored into it or other personal things as well that he's kept private and that um, I've respected. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, and it's, it was good to hear from his family uh, about that. And, and also just to kind of peel back the layer on, we see him as kind of sometimes someone said this to me at first and I didn't see it cause I just, I've been around him enough to know in the locker room how he is and I've heard him around him, but people are like, Oh, well, we see on the field is this like outwardly brash guy and, you know, whipping the, uh, the goalposts and, you know, the one time pointing at the defenders after he beats them and and he's not that person off the field. Mm. Um, he's a very introspective, almost introverted person, um, very subdued, very thoughtful, maybe not quick to kind of open himself to people. I think that comes from the trust factor. His parents had divorced when he was 13. That was had a very uh, significant impact on him in his life. His dad was a very important part of his life, as was his mother. And he ended up choosing to live with his mo- with his father, mm. who was like kind of like his his. Uh, you know, they were like sports guys. I mean, yeah. he, he was his, he was his guidance in terms of mentor, yeah. baseball, mentored him in baseball. And then obviously went along for the ride in football. So there was a lot there uh, to digest. And I just wanted to kind of get inside AJ and really bring the people in Philadelphia. You don't really know much more about him than just the fact that he is an unbelievable wide receiver. Hmm. Yeah. First of all, Jeff, kudos for going to Mississippi in the summer because my dad's from Mississippi. I've been to Columbus <laughs> and Starkville 
that humidity ain't no joke down there, brother. First of all, I, I love. I I mean, I love the South. Uh, yeah, the food, yeah. The bourbon, the, the hospitality. <laughs> I mean, I'd stopped in Tupelo to see uh, Elvis's uh, birthplace. Yeah. Uh, then we, you know, there was John. There's a famous Johnny Cash song where he got caught for urinating publicly <laughs> uh, about Starkville. I went to that spot. Yeah. You know, like then I stayed in Memphis and went to obviously Beale Street and. All, all the little uh, juke joints, and uh, so I'm a big music guy, and, and I love all that country, rock, soul, all of it. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, just to get you my, I mean, it wasn't like I, it was mostly work, but there was a little bit of play down there too. There you go, man. That's, did, did did you come away in any way, shape, or form? Because you know, when a player comes into town, you know, we we in the media we find out as much as we can about them, and we think we have a grasp on who they are, what they are. Was there any one thing that really stood out, shocked you about your research and your interaction with people who really knew AJ? Yeah. And again, I don't claim to know him. You know, right, like this, right. is the, this is like the thing that, you know, as you get as you do this job more and more, you realize that you don't know these guys ultimately, even when you do features and meet all their family. It's just, you know, it's just a little more of a play on this stuff. The fact that how he just doesn't really seek the the, the spotlight. Yeah. This one teacher told a story about how this is after he became a pro. It made tons of money, and they walked outside. He, she's the first person he'd always go see when he came back to Starkville High and give her a big hug. And one time they were walking outside. She's walking him out. I walk you out to her car, and she's like, "Hey, you worry about He's like, "I'm over there," and it was a Toyota Camry. And she's like, "He's like, I, just, I get in, in in town easier this way," and like, it's just. He doesn't have airs about, about him. You know, he really doesn't. Uh, he's a deep guy, um, very spiritual. Um, and, you know, his mom was telling me stories about how, like, every day, you know, they go over there eating. Like, she'll just see his Bible's always open out, open yeah. up on the table. And, um, and But he doesn't really advertise it at all. You right. know, like, it's just something that's very personal to him. Um, and, and, like, you know, again, I, I you know, I like him. So, like, I. Just got a sense that AJC. I just felt like there's somebody, there's something a little more there. Mm-hmm. There's a little more depth there. There's, there's a little more drama there than maybe you'd think. Um, but also, I wanted to do it and bring this shine of light on someone who who deserves it um, ultimately. Makes sense, Jeff. We know you got to run. Uh, appreciate you giving appreciate us a couple you, minutes, man. man uh, looking forward to, to chatting with you as we always do uh, during the season. You could follow Jeff on Twitter slash X at Jeff underscore McLean, of course, inquire.com as well. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Have a good day, man. All right. Take care. That's Jeff McLean from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah, it's a really good piece. I I would suggest everybody uh, get a chance to check it out. Let me throw throw this at you, man. Uh, Nick Sirianni. I said this to you before. I'm, I'm surprised how little we talk about him. Um, you know, we focus on the quarterback naturally, the guy's, a dynamic player and an unbelievable person. We focus on some of the defensive players and some of the other stuff. We don't talk a lot about a guy who in two years here got him to the playoffs after winning four games the previous season and got him to a Super Bowl within three points of winning the whole thing. Who's also sort of a dynamic character where, whereas it would normally get a lot of play. Why is it? We don't talk about him more. And I don't just mean you and I, I mean, media in general, it feels like. Because, because, even though he should get more credit for orchestrating the whole thing, his players overshadowed him by their accomplishments. A defense with 70 sacks, four defensive players, double digit sacks, two wide receivers, a thousand yard receiver, a quarterback who became this lightning rod, who was second in the voting and MVP. The fact that the team with all those accomplishments went to a Super Bowl, 
all of that stuff kind of overshadowed the guy who put it all together, who pulls the strings. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about that often. You know, usually it's a coach who gets a lot of the accolades, whether it's an Andy Reid, a Bill Belichick. But if you think about it, Andy Reid, for as long as he's been in the NFL, he's overshadowed by that guy named Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. You know, Bill Belichick, I would say was equal with Brady in a lot of ways because Belichick was so arrogant in his way he approached the media and people gravitated towards it and, and took their shots when they could because he wouldn't tell you anything, but he had pro arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. Yeah. See, but here there's so many different components that overshadowed him that he took and, and, and willingly he took a back seat to all the accolades. I don't think Nick Sirianni cares one iota if he gets individual accolades, as long as his team continues to win and he continues to put them in a position to compete for a Super Bowl, he's just fine with everything else. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you're right. It's like GM, quarterback, uh, and then maybe some other players on the team. And then we get to Sirianni, which yeah. is yeah. it's rare in this town. <laughs> you know, and a lot of that, you're right. It, it, let me put it this way. If they were losing, Eagles oh. lose the game. Eagles oh. lose to the Patriots in the opener. You're going to hear Nick Sirianni's name a lot more. Now you're oh. winning. It's kind of like, like an offensive lineman or a referee. You know, it's like, all right, everything's good. Keep going. Keep doing whatever you're doing, man. Um, but yeah, I always, I always find that a little bit interesting. Like we talk about the assistant coaches, the coordinators a lot. More. Sure. Jeff Stoutland even, even probably how, how often does an offensive line coach get spoken about more than the court, the head coach does not often, not often. No. Yeah. But Stalin is such a fascinating character, and he's so well-respected for what he's done consistently year in and year out. Think yeah. about his tenure that he's been here in Philadelphia and what he's done with young offensive linemen as well as veterans to getting them to believe in the system. And then it, it evolves into Stoutland University. Yeah. And basically, basically that's what it is because for whatever reason, he gets things out of offensive linemen, whether young or old, that other offensive line coaches don't consistently do. You know, he makes his players versatile. He makes them better, better technicians, quicker off the snap, more cohesive as a unit. Whatever little tricks that he has, they're second to none across the board in the National Football League. Yeah, and that's another area. I was I was talking about earlier how you, you don't have to worry about Lane Johnson at all. I feel like you just don't have to worry about the offensive line. Like, yeah, are we are we curious to see what Cam Jurgens is going to look like? Sure we are, but I feel like that unit – you know, you don't, that's you don't sweat it, man. They stay healthy. You don't sweat it. They don't have the depth right. that they've had in years right. past. But you know, whoever, whomever they throw in there is going to be coached up very well. Yes. By, by the dude who's doing the coaching. You know, that's for sure. And I think he also is intricate in the running game. Like he does a lot of different things. It's not just, you know, he's just an offensive line coach shows guys how to block. He does a lot of things for this team. And, uh, it, and you can tell down. he's very comfortable in his role. He has no aspirations of being a head coach. He's, no. very well, he's very well paid for what he does. Yep. You know, could he make a lot more money if he has success as a head coach in the NFL? Sure. He mm -hmm. doesn't care about that. He's playing to his strength, which is teaching young guys how to block better in the National Football League. Yeah. And then the Eagles added on to his role. He became run game coordinator. Why wouldn't you make him the run game quarter coordinator? Because yep. his offensive line makes that run game go so well. Yeah. I Look, I agree. I mean, I think – Andy was very lucky and the Jim Johnson didn't have aspirations to be a head coach. No, and, no. and the Eagles have been very lucky that Stoutland is very comfortable without the spotlight on him of being a head coach. It's a, it's a great advantage, you know, cause he very easily could either be a head coach right now, Derek, or an yeah. offensive coordinator yeah. or something else and not here, you know? So that's a, 
that's a big piece of this thing. All right, let's get a timeout and we will uh, we'll dive headlong into our NFL segment. Uh, among the things we will get into, a couple of key guys still holding out. Cooper Cup seeing a specialist. Um, there, I'll tell you the Jets. The Jets are writing some checks that I don't know that their rear ends are going to be able to cash. So we'll, we'll get into that too. Uh, some injury issues for the Cowboys. I'm, I'm shedding tears there. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, a longtime NFL grizzled veteran reporter uh, is stepping down. So we'll get into all those kind of things. When we come back, don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. You could go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
G-L-E-S Eagles. All right, we're back. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. If you missed any of our interview with Jeff McLean, who we just wrapped things up with, you go to jacobsports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube channel. All right, he's Derek. I'm Rob. Let's talk some uh, NFL D-Gun. Uh, Chris Mortensen. Chris Mortensen is uh, is hanging him up. Uh, he has been an in, in NFL reporter slash insider at ESPN for more than three decades. Uh, he was a longtime reporter prior to that as well covering the league since the seventies. He has battled a lot of health issues uh, over the last few years. And he basically said after the draft, it was just time. I want to, you know, take care of myself and my health and, and spend time with my family and kudos to him on a great career. Uh, 32 NFL drafts, 30, uh, 33 NFL drafts, 32 seasons, uh, well-respected around uh, our circles. Uh, obviously had a lot of contacts on the inside with front office people and, and former and current players as well, especially down in Texas. Um, but, you know, as we all do, Rob, you get to a certain point in life and, you know, the luster just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And especially when you've, when you've gone through those inner struggles, man, especially with health, because at one point his health was really bad. Yeah. Um, you have to take a step back and say, what's important to me? You know, it's not about the almighty dollar. It's about the quality time I have with my, my wife, my family, my kids, grandkids, so on and so forth. And, and good for him, you know, because what we do is it's a grind, you know, it's a grind. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when you're not 100 percent healthy mentally and physically, it wears you down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he's getting out at a good time for him to focus, he said, on his family and his faith. And, and kudos to him. One of the truly best, one of the best in the business that ever did it. Agreed. Class act. And and good for you. Go went out on his own terms. Yeah. Uh, so happy to see that for him. Too many people are showing the door. He he's, he's walking out on his own. So good for him. Um, all right. A couple other things, you know, if I'm the Rams, I'm getting real worried now, Gunner, uh, Cooper cup, seeing a specialist for this hamstring injury. That's never a great sign. And it's, no. it's n- never a good sign here. Well, you know, with, with what's happening with him potentially. Well, well ha- hamstring injuries like high ankle sprains are, are nagging type injuries. And when they feel good, when you start to extend it, all of a sudden, boom, you're back at square one. Yep. He, initially, he initially injured this thing on August 1st, thought he was back, went out there and recently and overextended himself, and boom, he's right back to square one again. Now, when you start going to see a specialist, is it because you don't truly trust the decisions of the doctors and the trainers with your team, or you just want a second opinion to make sure it coincides with what someone is telling you? Mm. Or does he feel that maybe there's a specialist out there that can get him back on the field quicker than maybe those in-house? Maybe some type of treatment that he's he's not getting right now that he feels, you know, he may have talked to somebody who's gone through something similar. Hey, this guy got me back on the field a lot sooner than our team doctors, our team trainers, you know. Um, you know he wants to play, and he's a phenomenal talent, and the Rams desperately need him out there on that field. I don't blame him for for getting seeking all the medical advice he can get to get back on the field quicker rather than later. Yeah, like if this is just hey, I I need to get as many opinions as I could possibly get. That's just smart, you know. But I wonder if like they've been through a bunch of doctors and he's trying to find somebody else who can figure something out here. I don't know. I, yeah. I would, you know, they're already a team that's sort of teetering. You know, not having Cooper Cup again to, to start the season that could be kind of scary. Um, mm. That's for sure. Uh, we know for sure 
at least right now, that Chris Jones and Nick Bosa are out. That much we know. Um, and, and, you know, Nick Bosa seems pretty dug in. We'll see. Chris Jones seems really dug in, Derek. There are reports that he's looking for as much as $28 million a year for three years. Um, as much as, you know, the, the defensive tackles are getting paid more now, I don't know that he's getting $28 million. Uh, I don't either. Um, he's a phenomenal talent. He's the heart and soul of that defense, no question about it. The pressure up front is not the same without him. Um, he's a big reason why this 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 defense was not a stout defense, but an opportunistic defense. Um, and he understands his value. And we're we sit here and we're saying, wait, wait, wait a minute, he's snubbing his nose at 20. Yeah. And I think he identifies right now. He is one of the best at what he does, and he's trying to parlay that into the most money he can. I don't think he's going to come close to 28. I think that team can appease him with giving him a big chunk of upfront money, but 28, average 28, I don't, I don't see that, Rob. I don't, I don't either. And, and look, he does have leverage because he, I think he had 15 and a half sacks. He's such a key to that defense yeah. um, that he's a massive blow if he's out of there. We talked about this before. Like, I think in the interim, San Fran can survive Bosa. I, I don't know. I don't know how this plays out, man, with uh, with Chris Jones not being there for the, for the Chiefs. That's a tough one. I mean, the Chiefs' offense d- diversified enough to to o- to overcome it and compensate for that kind of loss, but it does put extra pressure on them mm-hmm. to, to uh, succeed more than they fail. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and Chris and, and Chris Jones identifies that right now. Look, I am. I am the focal point of this defense. And if I don't try to cash on this thing now, I never will. Yeah. Oh, God forbid he gets hurt this year. Then his monetary value goes way down. Mm -hmm. He'll never come close to that kind of money again. Um, Players understand, hey, look, as much as we want him out here, we understand he's trying to get his money. We're not guaranteed the kind of numbers the other three major sports are. We have to get all we can while we can. They understand Mm -hmm. that. And they're going to stand in the gap with them and support him. But from a coaching perspective, you know, Andy Reid said, hey, we can only coach you here, as he did all the time when it came to Eagles players. Hey, I can only coach you I'm here with, you know, we just move forward. That's exactly what Andy Reid said here. But deep down, Andy knows, man, I need this guy on the field. All right, I got one for you here, Derek. Adam Schefter reporting that Chiefs head coach Andy Reid told reporters that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee at practice today, his status for Thursday night's opener against the Lions is uncertain. Oh, uncertain. my goodness. Whoa. Oh, okay. my goodness. That changes. If he's not playing Thursday, that changes the whole complexion of the game. Yeah, in man. a lot of ways, man. Oh, my goodness. That's a biggie. Wow. That's a big. There goes the ultimate safety blanket, you know, for, for Patrick Mahomes, man. That's a, They're already down, Kadarius Tony. And Legarius Le- Le- Sneed may, may miss the game, too. They're both. Yeah, man. Travis Kelsey? Woo. Woo. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Imagine. Mahomes is going to be pulling rabbits out of his hat in this one if he doesn't have Kelsey. Man, that takes a lot of the star value out of this game. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, if I'm Detroit, I'm like, thank you. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you. That's it. It's, it's, that, it's the ultimate leveler in that league is injuries. It just, it yeah. just changes everything. Yeah. You, you can't, it's random. Um, real quick, back to the guys holding out. It's weird in Carolina. They don't know what's going on with Brian Burns. Like he was sort of a hold in 
Yeah. And he may hold out. Uh, they aren't sure if he's going to be playing on Sunday for the Panthers or not. That, that's he, another guy who's just, I mean, he's the best defensive player. He, he waited until training camp was almost over before. It's like he a could. sneak attack. Yeah. Basically, he, this was a, a well-planned, orchestrated uh, stance by him. He's the best defensive player, and he knows it. Yep. Um, now, Carolina's got to scramble, you know. Um, again, here's another situation. When you're on top, especially in the NFL, you got to cash in on that when you can. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Brian, I'm thinking, if I give them this season and I get hurt, they're going to use this against me in negotiations down the road. Mm-hmm. I've got to take my stand now and get this money up front. I, you know, you wonder, why did you wait until now? Why did you do like everybody else and not just show up for camp? You know, everybody has a different method on how they want to get the attention of the front office, and this is his. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would – I don't know. I mean, would are more players going to do this kind of thing, you think, rather than just the straight holdout? No. No. I mean, it, there, there are other players that would take this approach, but for the most part, we see what players do. They tell you during the summer, during the offseason – I, I don't know about next season. A lot of them don't show up, you know, to take a stance to make a point. I don't think it'll become uh, um, an epidemic of players going through training camp and then deciding coming out on the other side that I'm going to take my stance now. now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. I, I got one for you. I still, yeah. I still can't figure this one out to save my life. We agree in unison that Arizona is a hot mess. To the say the least. The fact that they decided to go with Joshua Dobbs and cut Colt McCoy. Now, I understand Dobbs is 28, McCoy is 37. Yeah. McCoy is not a world beater, but he's got 13 years in the league. Yep. He's got a 62 career completion percentage. And and he's played with at least some of those guys, right? There's familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. Dobbs has been up and down. You know, technically, he came out in 2017. Yeah. If you look at his bio, he only played in 2020. I mean, 2018, 2020, 2022. Yeah. Been bounced around from team to team, cut by teams. Pittsburgh, who initially got him, got rid of him and brought him back again a, a, a year or so later. That's right. I don't understand why would you keep Dobbs over Colt McCoy? Now, obviously, I'm not sure what type of offense Arizona is running, especially with Kyler Murray out. But you mean to tell me that you couldn't use the veteran savvy of a guy like Colt McCoy to stabilize an already gimpy offense over Joshua Dobbs? So, Derek, that that led to a lot of people. That wasn't the only reason, but that led to a lot of people saying, okay, they're tanking this year. You know, McCoy might give them a better chance, but they want to lose games. But then, in the same breath, they named Kyler Murray as one of the team captains. Yeah. Gannon goes on and on and on about how he's done all the right things. He's the kind of leader we want here. We can't wait to get him back on the field because some people were thinking maybe they keep him on a pup list or an injured list and just don't let him play at all this year. Right. Go through all this, this, this whole thing. This leads people to think that Murray's going to be play- like, I don't know what the plan is there. I don't think they know what they're doing. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. I, I don't think they have a plan. I think we're giving them too much credit saying they're tanking. I think they're just clueless. I really do. Ooh, yes. I, I, might, I might have to agree with you there. I think it's the blind leading the blind. Yes. In a lot of ways, especially after that speech we heard Gannon give last weekend. Well, you look <laughs> on his players' face, faces. Oh, my like, God. What's he talking about? Yeah. Fire in the belly and all this stuff. 
they were they were all just like I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. But, <laughs> but, but this this overall thing is a hot mess. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, if I was a betting man, I'd bet when will Arizona win its first game? Like they, they play Washington this week, and Washington is a seven-point favorite. I love Washington in this game. Is it is Washington at home or on the road? At Washington. Okay. Sold out. It's the first time they've sold out in a, in a yep. little bit, too. Yep. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll see. Okay. I, I have no faith in them. I don't know how else to put it. I have zero faith in what they're trying to do, what the goal is, you know, what, what the vision is at all. I think this is a great, te- a great proving ground for Sam Howell in terms of come out, you know it's not going to be flawless, to make his mistakes, and yet the, the team as a whole still be good enough to get that, that that all-important first win of the season. Yeah, and it's a good way for him to get off. Like, okay, this is your first game. You're home. Get going here. Let's let's build some confidence. Yeah, it is. It is definitely that. Uh, man, the Cowboys are just shelling out the coin this offseason. So they've now locked up offensive lineman Terrence Steele to a five-year, $86.8 million deal, Derek, 50 of which mm. are guaranteed. Mm. Damn, man. I, I mean, so there's a, there's a report that they they went all in on getting uh, capologists, guys who were, you know, really good maneuvering the cap, and they're trying to get ahead of things rather than being reactionary. The, the quote was, they're tired of getting, you know, run circles around them by Howie Roseman and his group. Is, is this some of that maybe? They're just trying to get out with younger players and just give them all this money? Well, if you can't beat them, join them. It, yeah. it works for the Eagles. Look how the Eagles pay their offensive linemen. It works for the Eagles. Yep. And so, obviously, when you have success somewhere else, eventually um, you figure out my way is not working. We got to figure out what they're doing and try to emulate what they're doing. And I think that's a case here, that the Cowboys finally realized that to stay up there with the Eagles in terms of keeping your core players – um, and, and keeping this thing moving in the right direction, um, we got to tap into people who know what Howie Roseman's doing. And I think this is a sample of that. So now, you know, they already played, paid Tyrone Smith. Um, you know, uh, Zach Martin finally got his money after holding out. And now Steele. What a, what a great story for Steele, who was an undrafted player, mm-hmm. you know, to now being paid this kind of money, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I think Dallas has finally learned as stubborn as Jerry can be. I think they finally learned their lesson. If we want to be in this marathon race with a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, we're gonna have to start emulating some of the things they do. Yeah. Uh all right, beyond that, all right, the, the Jets. So Robert Saul is keeping receipts, a guy doing a lot of yapping, et cetera, et cetera. So DJ Reed says that the Jets defense can be historical, and he referenced the 86 Bears, and Seattle's Legion of Boom. Like, I'm all for confidence. Okay. okay. Dude, don't don't bring up the 86 Bears. Hey, come on. Play a game first. Enough. That, that, um, that 85 Bears defense is historically one of the best defenses that ever played the game. Yeah. Um, You've got to do it first before you make a comparison like that. Now, this Jets defense was really good last year. No question about it. It was a top-five defense. But to compare yourselves to the, eight, the, the 85 Bears defense that won that Super Bowl, uh, that's a little lofty. Yeah. But these Jets have been talking all offseason. And, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody needs to get in their ear and tell them, well, you know what, we need to walk with humility first. Let's accomplish something before we start 
beating ourselves ourselves on the chest because if this thing goes south, first of all, we're in the number one media market in America, one of the most critical markets in America. Yep. And there's a whole lot of people on the outside looking in who have been watching and listening to everything that we do. Mm-hmm. If this thing collapses, we got a whole lot of people coming down on us. So have a little humility. Yeah. Before you, before you start spouting off the way they have been all off season. Getting a little ahead of themselves. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Mike White's been named the backup in Miami uh, to Tua. Not normally noteworthy, but it is with Tua's injury history. And yeah. he was in a battle with Skylar Thompson, uh, who got some time last year there. Uh, I actually think they, they, they have about as good a quarterback depth as you do at the two and three position in the league. Uh, Miami does, and they know they have to because of Tua's history, for sure. Um, I'm not surprised when you look at the competition Mike White was facing down there. I'm not surprised. If you go back to last season, he had a good measure of success. Uh, he was not bad. He got hurt, too. Yeah. He got hurt, yeah. So I'm not surprised he's elevated to number two, and I think he'll be a perfect fit. So should something happen to Tua, I think he can step right in and keep that machine going. Again, here's another team offensively that have everything that you need to succeed. You obviously want your frontline quarterback, but Mike but Mike White is a good second option if Tua goes down. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Kyle Rudolph, who was a solid tight end, had, had a, I thought had a nice career. Was it was right. a good – I put him in the good player category. Uh, he hung it up. He retired. Of course, his best years were with the Vikings, but, you know, had a, had a pretty long career and good player. Uh, he'll have a future in the media if he wants. He's a, he's a very personable guy, very, very smart guy, but he mm-hmm. – he hung him up, D guy. He is retired. Solid. Uh, solid, not spectacular, big body, hard to bring down, sure-handed, had a long career, 12, 13 years in the league. And he's making a transition now. Again, another former player making the transition to the broadcast booth. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it, it's he's gonna be making some money, he may not make as much money as he made in the NFL, but he's gonna be well paid six-figure uh broadcaster now. No you question. Know. No hey, question. You know what? I'm tired, you know. Uh I, I'm, I'm tired of uh, of getting my body beat up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe the knees and ankles hurt a little bit more and the shoulders hurt a little bit more. Uh, let me get out now while I'm still a young man. You yeah. Know? Yep. And so you've seen a lot of these guys do, you know, uh, for sure. Uh, all right. Beyond that, uh, we mentioned uh, a, a little bit about the how Kadarius Tony and Legarius Sneed are still limited at Chiefs practice. And if you didn't hear, we talked about it a minute ago. Uh, Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee today in practice and is questionable for the game mm. on Thursday. Uh, good news on the injury front. Joe Burrow had a very, what his coach called, encouraging practice on Monday, and they feel good at where he's at with the calf uh, going into their game on Sunday. So he's, he's you know, steadily improving there uh, for sure. Uh, Dallas, uh, another, another injury along an offensive line. T- uh, Tyler Smith, he's dealing with a hamstring, their left guard. So uh, he could he, he could be in trouble there, and they play the Giants. That's gonna be a good one Sunday night. Yeah, I know, man. What a what a way to cap off the first Sunday of the NFL season. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, one of the biggest rivalries in all of football. Grudge match. They don't like each other. Uh, both trying to set a tone for the new season. Um, how's the Giants' offensive line going to be? Dallas, as you just mentioned, nicked up. New pieces in Dallas with Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. How do they fit in to an already pretty good Dallas secondary? Mm-hmm. Um, man, year two of Dayball with uh, Daniel Jones. Um, 
Saquon something to prove. Obviously, he didn't get paid the money he wanted to. Got appeased it a little bit, but has something to prove in this game. I expect this one to be a really good, you know, knockdown, drag-out type uh, NFC East brawl. Same here. Same here. I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, all right, a couple other uh, other odds and ends here. So the NFL Network, we've been waiting to find out uh, what the status of Michael Irvin was with the NFL Network. So I, I guess maybe this tells you something, even though I don't make any kind of formal announcement. He was left off. Um, basically, the he's omitted from the announcing crew for their game day coverage. Mm. Um, they announced in an email that they brought on some new people here, Derek. They brought on Gerald McCoy, uh, Chase Daniel, David Shaw, Leslie Frazier, Pep Hamilton, and Robert Turbin. Uh, McCoy will appear regularly on NFL Network's game day morning, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern. He'll join Rich Eisen, Kurt Warner, Steve Mariucci, Cynthia Friedland. Friedland, uh, yeah. Freeland, uh, Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofalo, Tom Pelissaro, and Kimmy Checks, but there's no um, Irvin mentioned at all. So we know he was hopping over. He's doing some stuff with FS1 um, for uh, with Skip Bayless, but probably it's looking like he's out at the NFL Network. I mean, like this thing is just drug on for so ridiculously long. I I didn't expect that he they were going to announce that he was back. I thought it, the longer this went, the lesser of a chance that he was going to be there. Well, like I said late last week, if I'm Michael Urban, why would I want to go back? Yeah, you, you people turned your back on me before you had all the facts, and there are eyewitnesses standing right there in the hotel lobby that said Michael Urban didn't do anything out of character, but yet you made a snap decision and pulled the plug on me, and you've never come out in any way, shape, or form saying that you supported me in any way, shape, or form. Why would I want to go back? Great Once, question. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the platform you gave me in the past, but you showed your true colors. Yep. You know, um, and this is a, this is a league decision. And who owns the NFL Network? The league. Correct. You know, so why would I want, why would I want to go back there? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well especially said. if I prove them wrong. If, if this if this case hits court and I prove this, I prove prove my accuser wrong. You know, I, I don't want to go back there. Right. Well, you let bygones be bygones. I don't hold any grudges, but I can't work for you. Yeah. You, you you didn't support me when I needed you most. Why should I come back and support you? Yep. Uh, all right. Beyond that, I was going to say this the last segment. Let, let's do it now. We, we can jump in a little bit. Um, Colorado upset TCU this weekend, Derek. And what a game. What a game it was. And Deion Sanders in his debut as Colorado's head coach, his son Shador Sanders throws for over Jeez. 500 yards. Travis Hunter, the two-way player, he plays corner, he plays receiver. He had a, over 100 yards receiving and an interception. Uh, a key in interception, yeah. A, a huge one. Um, it was uh, it was nothing short of remarkable. And, and now all of a sudden, a Colorado team that was just, let's face it, insignificant, a laughing stock, you know, last year has now become must watch TV in, in, uh, in college football for a lot of folks. Um, there were so many people that wanted to see Dion fail, you know, uh, the fact that he's an open book, you know, he has family members that film everything that they do meetings in the office, practice sessions, his interaction with coaches and players, his incredible speeches. And a lot of, there are a lot of people that were not happy with the way he did it. He did it. He walked into Colorado saying, I'm bringing my Louie, you know, 
uh, before his son officially transferred at his uh, introductory um, press conference, he said, my starting quarterback is my son. There was no no open competition. No, no, there wasn't. No. And then on top of that, he told existing players, you need to go on a transfer portal. Yep. He brought in 87 new players, 87 new players between his introductory meeting and and, and the summer. Yeah. 87. It's insane. Yep. So there were a lot of people on the outside looking in and wanted to see him fail because they thought he was brash, a, a braggart, you know, uh, too full of himself. Mm-hmm. But, man, you talk about a motivator. That pregame motivation speech that we got privy of after the game was over, man, I had chills just listening to him talk to his players before that game against TCU. Yeah. It, and afterwards was incredible. Oh, that right? was it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was incredible. You, you go, you take over a program. You've been talking, you've been talking that we're coming. You know, we I'm I'm a winner. So all I do is is win. And you look at his record, it's all he did. Florida State, NFL, all he did was win. Yep. Jackson State, all he did was win. You know, and so he's talking now, especially at a program that had had only what two winning seasons since something like 2005. They're to- they were totally irrelevant. Like they they had been totally irrelevant up until him taking them over. Here's here's the most fascinating thing about his tenure at Colorado, and I saw this. I think it was front office sports. Front office, a uh, Colorado hires him for twenty nine and a half million dollars. At the time they hired him, they didn't have the money. They they hired him, but they had to figure out how to raise the money to pay him. Yeah. As we sit here now, they've raised over twenty eight million. They've sold out for the first time in like 27 years. Mm. He was an instant draw. So Colorado bet on the fact that if we can get Dion here, we can do the things that we need to do. He had over 50,000 people at their spring game on a snowy day in April. Yeah. When they're lucky to get three or 4,000, 50,000 people. It is. It's an incredible transformation that he's a, a, a part of. It really and, is. And when he went out and shocked the world Saturday against TCU, Twitter slash X blew up. Mm-hmm. So and so did Instagram. So did Facebook. Yeah. So many people have jumped on this bandwagon because it's Dion. And number one, and he took this team that was a doormat for so long, and they knocked off the runner up to the national championship. TCU was ranked 17th in the country. Yeah, I mean, they played the national championship last year. I know they lost people, but that this is not just some team they beat. No, no. I, and they lost a lot. I don't know if TCU is going to be great, but still, that's a, for a Colorado team that had won one or two games to, to win with all those new faces. And his son, in his first game at the D1 level, throws for a school record 510 yards. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at Colorado's schedule. You know, like most most of your powerhouse teams, they always have like one so-called, two so-called patsies mm-hmm. on their schedule. Mm-hmm. You can't say that about Colorado. I mean, they started out, they 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 beat TCU ranked team. Nebraska, Big Ten school, they were four and eight. Then they got to play Colorado State. They were three and nine. You have, but then again, you have four ranked teams on your schedule. You have Oregon, USC, uh, Oregon's number 15, yep. USC is number six. And oh, by the way, Caleb Williams, who was the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman, and he still may be. What about Dion's son if he keeps putting up numbers? Oh, like he's that? definitely gonna gonna force his way into the conversation. The, the only thing that can hurt him, fair or not, is if they 
they aren't able to win games. You know, if they're a three, four win team, which doesn't look like they're going to be, but then, right. yeah, I agree with you. He's, he's vaulting himself into the conversation for sure. So come September 30th in Colorado, it is Caleb Williams versus Shadur Sanders mm. in Colorado. Now I would imagine by the time if Colorado keeps rolling, they're going to be a highly ranked team by then. Yeah. And they play. Can you imagine the viewership for that game, USC versus Colorado on September 30th? Through the roof. That the numbers are going. And when was the last time a Colorado school drew those kind of numbers on a national television? Yeah, you're talking probably the days of Eric B. Enemy? Right. A lot back there. Yeah, Mike McCartney. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time. A what? long Cordell Stewart days. What? Yeah, I know. I hear you. Yeah, so, hear you. so he's come in. And in one game, he's talked it, he's walked it. You know, for nine months, eight months, he's talked about what they're going to do. I came here to win. We we don't have tomorrow. We have today. I came here to win. A lot of coaches uh, were, were bitter about how he jettisoned so many players who maybe have wanted to go to Colorado their whole lives. But Deion told them, you don't fit what we're trying to do here. You know, and, and brought in a whole new wave of players. There were a lot of coaches, a lot of so-called experts, who didn't like what Dion did. Dion mm-hmm. said, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your opinion is of me. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help this program win. And my goodness, I can't remember a game to start the season where it shocked the world the way this game did. Now, there's been some. But this, everybody, th- Colorado was a 20-point underdog going into this game. I know. I know. It, it's, look, it's it's remarkable. It really is. It, it was an amazing thing. And I know we were both – you know, kind of going back and forth until the Phillies ended with watching uh, the Duke Clemson game last night. You talk about a game of missed opportunities for Clemson. Woof. I um, can't remember a more discombobulated Dabo Sweeney team. Yeah. To be honest with you. Um, and he had made the comment, I heard during the broadcast, he had made the comment before the games to the announcers that this, in all the years he's been, at Clemson, and that includes the national championship team, this group of guys he felt was the most accountable group of guys he's ever coached mm-hmm. in terms of understanding what's expected of them, knowing their assignments, so on and so forth. Man, they played that game like they hadn't been together more than a week. Yeah, Twice they fumbled inside the 20. You know, Duke of all teams got breaks off for a big run for a touchdown. That's not that's not Clemson football. No, it's not. It's not. You know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you're right there on the goal line twice. You have one kick blocked, you missed another one. I mean, that right there, you're, you're talking 20 points, and it just flips the whole game on its ear. And that, that was a heck of a run by the Duke quarterback. They, the, oh, uh, the, the, oh. down the sideline. I mean, he gets out of all kinds of trouble. He's a big athletic kid, and, and Riley Leonard's his name, and runs all the way down the sideline and scores. It was, yeah. Look, good, good win for Duke, bad loss for Clemson. And how about Florida State? I've told you before, I've been a huge Florida State fan. Outside of Wisconsin, I've been a huge Florida State fan since the early 80s. They have been down for so long, and they come out and take LSU to the woodshed. Yeah, they did. That second half was domination. Dude, oh, my goodness. And their quarterback was straight money. Yeah. Yeah, he played great in that game. Florida State State football is back. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. The coach has done a nice job, and they're they're definitely headed in the right direction. That is for sure. Uh, all right, so we'll step aside. And oh, we'll come- how about this one, one more tidbit? Oh, yeah, sure. The Pac-12 went 13-0. and I know. The, the, the dying conference, right? Yeah. The, the conference that's basically the Mojave Desert went 13-0, and 
and every other conference had at least two losses in it. Mm-hmm. You talk about a weird first weekend. It but was, that's, but that's that's what got me jacked up in football, baby. It's always that first full weekend of college football. Weird, but Woo! captivating, right? Weird but captivating. That's for sure. Um, all right, we'll come back. We'll give you the the Eagles depth chart that they have released, and we'll tell you proceed with caution but we'll get into that uh when we come back a bunch of other stuff we certainly have birthdays we have movies we have all that good stuff we'll swing it back to some of the big stories from the eagles as well don't go anywhere he's Derek gunn i am rob ellis we are sports take jacob sports youtube network right back Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles We're back. Derek, Rob, final segment of the show. Time flies when you are having fun. All right, Derek, let me give you uh, the the unofficial... Well, it is the depth chart that the Eagles put out, so I it's I can't say it's unofficial here, uh, but the depth chart. All right, you ready? 
Let's go. Shockingly quarterback, the starters, Jalen Hurts. Number two is Marcus Mariota. Number three is Tanner McKee. All right. There you're, there are your, uh, your quarterbacks, uh, yep. your running backs listed right now in this order. Now tell me if you buy it. Okay. Gainwell, Penny, Scott, Swift. Doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me either. Doesn't mean anything. You can spin a roulette wheel and just close your eyes. and t- <laughs> It doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. What is today is not tomorrow. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, no. I buy it. I buy it. All right. Your receivers, uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, all three listed as ones. No surprise. No surprise. Left tackle, Mylotta, left guard, Dickerson, center, Kelsey, right guard, Jurgens. Right tackle, Lane Johnson. Uh, let me go with the guys who are behind them. Fred Johnson backs up at left tackle. Sua Opeta backs up at left guard. Nobody listed as the center right now because I think we know Jurgens would slide in there. Tyler Steen is listed as the right guard backup. Jack Driscoll as the right tackle backup. Your tight ends are listed as Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, and then Albert, Albert O. Okay. That's uh that's your your listings right there. So I think no that's yeah, your backup receivers, uh Alameda Zacchaeus would that's be your four. They only have four on the roster. Yeah, I still but, don't get that. I uh, that's that. I think that's a position you could see something added to, don't you think? No. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they're done there. Um no. you, got, you know, you got Ngata on the practice squad, you brought Mr. Reliable Greg Ward back as well. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's gonna be status quo. And technically, Covey's a receiver, but and Covey, yeah, Crash Covey. <laughs> uh, your let's go to the defensive side. Uh, your so one of your uh, starting defensive ends is Brandon Graham. The other one is Josh Sweat. Uh, backing up Brandon Graham is Derek Barnett. Uh, nobody listed behind Sweat, but keep in mind Hassan Reddick is listed as a as a Sam right now, okay. and we know that both he and Patrick Johnson and Nolan Smith. And that's the order it goes in. It's Sam. Hassan Reddick, Patrick Johnson, Nolan Smith are all edge rushers who will line up on the line of scrimmage too. That we know. Your your Mike linebacker, your middle linebacker, that's N'Kobe Dean. Your will is listed as Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis. Okay. Okay. No surprise there. Bradbury, Slay, Avante Maddox are your corners. Behind Bradbury is Job. Behind Slay is Ringo. Behind Avante Maddox is Mario Goodrich. Okay. Your starting safeties are, at least at this point, listed as Terrell Edmonds and Reed Blankenship. You have Justin Evans listed behind, uh, or, or Justin, yeah, Justin Evans behind uh, Terrell Edmonds. And Sidney Brown right now is behind Blankenship. Okay, to be expected. No, okay. no, surpri- no real surprises there. No surprise. Uh, no one, no one listed as punter. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, okay. Jake Elliott is your kicker. Uh, Rick Lovato is your long snapper. Your punt returner is listed as Alameda Zacchaeus, followed by Quez Watkins. Interesting. And your kick returner is Boston Scott. I don't want to see Quez Watkins back on punt return. I'm sorry. No, thank you. You want to throw Zacchaeus back there? All right. I'll be interested to see yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. But, but no, no, I don't want Quez Watkins back there now. Um, he's not He's not sure-handed enough for that one. And I don't think he's a 
I don't think focus wise he's steady enough for all the feet, you know, pounding around him when he when the ball gets close to him. I, I don't want to see that. Who's the kick returner? Uh Boston Scott. Okay. I, I yeah, that's what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm so I'm a I'm intrigued to see Zacchaeus back there possibly yeah. returning a, a punt. But you know, somewhere along the line, Mr. Mr. Crash himself is gonna be back there. Well, Mr. that's the way it was last year, right? Yeah. He was uh they, I think they started using him like week three, was it? Something like that? Or was like it, that. Yeah. I forget. But he was on the practice squad initially, right? And yeah, I mean, I look, I think that um, I think we're going to see him, barring them making a move to bring somebody in. The, the one thing you know is he's reliable in terms of catching the ball. I'm yeah. not, that's not a, I'm not yes. going overboard with it, but he'll, he'll secure the ball. Uh, good with Boston, Scott. And nothing else really. Out of the rises you there. No, no. I mean, I, again, that's just because they put that out. Doesn't mean that's, that's gospel. Like, no, no, that's just, they put it out there. I want to see what they do for a fifth receiver. Who's that fifth, that fifth receiver. I can't imagine they're going to go into a game with just uh, four. That's thin. four receivers. I mean, you know, when cuts came out last week, late, late last week, the Colts only had three receivers on their 53 man roster. You know, yeah. Some yeah. teams having four, okay, but I would imagine that's got to adjust. You can't, you can't go into a game with just four receivers. You can't. I mean, you can, but you really shouldn't. Well, I mean, think about how much you use just three wideouts in the league now. I mean, they're almost, you almost always yeah. have three wideouts out there, and to have just one guy backing them up, I don't know about that. Well, you know, you were talking about the punter situation. Now it makes sense why they have uh, uh, your boy Sippos. Uh, on the practice squad, he's an insurance policy for him. Yeah, and obviously, you know they've had a couple tryouts already with punters, and they still haven't seen something that they like. I can't believe they can't find one who can beat out Sippos. I I can't believe that either. I'm sorry. Even if you're, you're talking about cuts around the league, whatever, there isn't somebody that you want to bring in here. I, I just think they're, and I, you know, I know we hear a lot about he's, you know, uh, Elliot really likes the way he holds. You, you can figure that part of it out. You just can. But, but why, why play the game? Get a punter in here. I know. Get somebody in here. Listen, man, I, you are you are preaching to the choir. <laughs> I, I've been begging since the season ended, and he's still here somehow. But the, the fact that there's nobody listed right now as the starter right. tells me something's up. Well, it's, a, it's a one position. You don't, you don't need them there all week uh, yeah, to yeah. practice. Just plug in. Catch yeah. the ball, man, and, and then punt it. That's it. Deep kick, hang time, angle left, angle right. That's all they got to do. That's all you got to do. Uh, I like this. I do like this. So we, we talked about how Taiwan Walker was not nearly good enough last night. He got picked up by, by the offense in a big way in that game. Right. Put a tweet out a little bit earlier. I think this is pretty cool. Big shout out to my team for picking me up last night. Hashtag Philly. I have to be better. I will be better. Okay. There's accountability there. You know, I want to see it, but the guy's owning his performance to an extent. I appreciate uh, I, that. I, I applaud him admitting it publicly, but like that old saying goes, I'm from Missouri. Show me. <laughs> you know, I've yeah. seen too much, too much inconsistencies with everybody on the staff. Wheeler has been the most consistent on an inconsistent staff. So I, I got to see it now, you know, yeah, yeah. and you know, they're going to come, they're going to run into a string where they're going to play inferior opponent again, opponents again, pad the stats. I need to see them play the Braves. Yeah. You know what they look like against the Braves. 
And I'll even go so far as to say I want to see what they look like against the Mets. Because even though the Mets basically are, are one of the biggest disappointments in all of baseball, they still play this team well. For right. You know. And they're, and, and if they're going to get anything out of their season, it's to play spoiler. Right? Yeah. Try and stick it to the, to the Phillies. Yeah. You know, they, they, they lost their closer before the season started. Yeah. They, the two big money pitchers. They got rid of. They jettisoned them out of there. So the Mets basically are are trying to tread water until the season is over, and then regroup group this thing for twenty four. But offensively, they still have enough firepower to make it a little bit difficult for the Phillies pitchers at the plate. Absolutely. All right. So the big stories of the day. Let, let's hit a couple of these. Riley Reef, uh, who is the right tackle for the Patriots, out. Yep. He's on the IR. They also both starting guards are banged up and yep. they're in some question of whether or not they're going to be able to play for the Patriots. So uh, this is an opportunity for the Eagles defensive line to, to do some damage here uh, in this game against Mac Jones, against an offense that really isn't great. So that's something to keep your eye on for this game. As we get closer here, what ends up uh, happening there uh, beyond that, they've named nine captains have the Eagles, Jalen hurts, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, Jake Elliott, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith. Is there any – I don't have a problem with any of those guys, by the way, but is there yeah. any omissions that you're a little surprised at that uh, yeah. vet, veteran guys? No, no. I think they got the perfect group. You got your veteran leadership in there. You have a few young players in there who are considered leaders as well. I think it's a perfect mix, mixture. little too many. I'm surprised they named nine. Most teams have four or five. I'm surprised they named nine. But you know what? Kudos, kudos to Nick for identifying uh, that these guys are, are the focal point of our team and, and the leadership of our team. Mm -hmm. This is the leadership group of our team, and right, you know. So I have no, I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. I think, uh, hit, I think he hit a spot on. Uh, yeah. No. Listen, I, I'm I'm fine with that. By the way, Travis Kelsey hasn't missed a game since 2013. I know. Isn't that something? Man, that that's yeah. You talk about a decade since this guy's missed a game. That, that's impressive. That when, is, that when is. you start talking about a hyperextended knee, especially two days before a game, that's where you proceed with caution because that thing you yeah. don't want that thing to get. And, and as much as you want to have him that first game, let's face it, you need Travis Kelsey for the long haul. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll go through the rough waters without him. You know, I need him there for the money games down the line when he gets to November, December. And I want to make sure he's 100% right. Yeah. If this was Sunday, maybe you justify it that, you know, you got right. a couple extra days. Thursday's going to be yeah. tough. Two days from now? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I didn't even, man, who, who is there even their backup? I'm going to look it up now. Who's their backup tight end off the top of your head? I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't either. I couldn't all right, let me go to the let me go to their depth chart. Let me just come off the Eagles and, and go to them. Noah Gray and Blake Bell. Uh, so you get a little bit of a drop off there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Noah Gray who had. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna look at his stats. All right, are you ready for Noah Noah Gray's stat line here? Yeah. yeah. So last year, 28 catches, 299 yards, found the end zone once. Yeah, it's a, look. It's you're, you're going from a from an all timer. You know, potentially to to a, a guy filling a roster spot. Yeah, so that's yeah. a tough one. That that would be a tough one for Coach Reed and the uh, and the crew to be able to survive that. Uh, all right, you ready to do some birthdays? Let's roll, my brother. Let's do some birthdays, and then I want to swing it back to uh, to a couple other uh, Eagles 
questions that we did not get to already. All right, let's start with uh, arguably the best front man who's ever lived. Freddie Mercury of Queen uh, mm. was born on this day in 1946. So Freddie Mercury, I guess he would have been 77 years old uh, of Queen. Uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, who's just what a career, what a career still doing it, uh, is 72 years old. You know, his, his, his uh, born name is Michael Douglas. Yes. But because yeah. there was already Michael Douglas established, he had to change yeah. his name to get his, yeah. his acting card. Yeah, oh yeah. Kind of interesting. Uh, Raquel Welsh, Raquel Welsh was born on this day, uh, 1940, one of the all timers, one of the all timers, one of the all time strongs. <laughs> yes. Mount Rushmore of strong. Uh, Raquel Welsh, uh, Bob Newhart, still, still doing his thing. Gunner still with us. 94 years young, Bob Newhart. God bless him. Wow. Jeez, man. He was the classic dry humor guy, you know, just straight faced deliver a line. Boom. I love him in that Bob Newhart show. He was great. He was so fun. He's a very funny man. Very funny man. Rose McGowan, the actress activist is 50 years old today. Uh, Kat Graham actress, 34 years old today. Josh Charles, actor, 52 years old today. William Devane had been acting for a very long time. is 84 years old today. Thomas Michael Ford, who played Tommy in Martin, uh, yeah. passed away very young. Uh, yeah, shame. man. 64. But born in 1964. That's tough, man. That was tough. Um, he was only like 52 years old. Yeah, he, when he passed. And he has something like a stomach aneurysm. Uh, yeah. When he passed. And, tough. Yeah, that's tough, man. And I didn't even realize it until we, I started looking it up last night. I'm like, wait a minute, he's not here anymore? I know. I completely forgot about that. Didn't know that. Uh, Colt McCoy, you mentioned him a little bit earlier. 37 yep. today. He's 37. Uh, Elaine Deladon, the uh, great WNBA player, Delaware's own D-Gun, is 34. He's in Delaware's own. Yes, she is. Yeah, and her 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 brother is the head football coach at I think Silesianum, uh a high school. Yes, all boys high school, and yeah. it, uh, they're always in they're always in the state tournament uh, yep. every year. Football turn out they've turned out some NFL players. They turned out yep. some, yeah. Yep. Uh, Christian Alfonso, the actress, is sixty years old. Al Stewart, the singer, is seventy eight. Uh, Jenny Taft. The uh, the sideline reporter, yep, is thirty six today. Lance Stevenson, I, I don't think he's still playing in the NBA, but he is thirty three years old today. So. Yeah, Brandon Allen, the quarterback, kind of hanging around sort of dude. He is thirty one today. Dennis Scott, uh, excellent three point shooter for the Magic, yes. now uh, works for TNT and NBA Network. Is fifty five. Willie Galt, one of the fastest men to ever play the receiver spot. Uh, was on those those Bears teams, the Bears team that won in '85. Eleven is, years in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, good for him. He, you know, he was a, he was more of a track guy, but he he stuck around for a long time. Nap Lajoy, the former great major league player, was born on this day, 1874. All right, that's all I have. Birthdays. What else do you have? Uh, we have Annabelle Wallace, the actress. She's 39 today. You have Patty Considine from Born Ultimatum. Is 50. Uh, Dweezil Zappa, son of Frank Zappa, the guitarist, 54 today. Um, Ricky Fatur, from the, one of the original frontmen for the Beach Boys. Oh, okay. 70, 71 today. Bill Mazeroski, former great major leaguer. Oh, yeah. 87, still with us, 87. One of the big home runs ever. Uh, for, former uh, NFL quarterback Billy Kilmer 
is mm-hmm. 84 today. Mm-hmm. Former outfielder Candy Maldonado. Remember that name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 63 today. Man. Uh, USC head football coach Lincoln Riley is 40 on this day. Okay. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, 25 today. Ah. And Nazir Muhammad, uh, who was drafted in 1998 by Utah, his right soul to the 76ers uh, in 1998. He is 46 today. Wow, how about that? Yeah, so he, he did play for – I think he was on the 01 team that went to the uh, finals. Yes, Muhammad. he, he yep. was with the Sixers 98 to 2001, and he uh, finished up his career in 2016. Yeah, he hung around for a long time. Good for yeah. him. Uh, all right, uh, it's not – we've been on a little bit of a, a movie, you know, uh, lack of run, if you will. But uh, Citizens Kane, which yep. is one of the all-timers, came out this uh, day in 1941. Yep. The Wrestler, which was a comeback vehicle – uh, for Mickey Rourke, yeah, uh, 2008, and it came out in 2017. Uh, you have any? That's it. It was not much. Yeah, that's it, bro. Not much, much to speak from. Uh, all right. So Phillies are taking on the Padres. It's a three-game series. They're off Thursday. Wednesday is an afternoon game, but they're back at it tonight. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, they need to get a good outing out of Michael Lorenzen. They, they need this for a couple of reasons, Derek. One, he's been a mess since the no-hitter. Two, yep. you know, they've been killing their bullpen lately, and yesterday was an example of it, where, where the pen had to come in here and give them a lot of innings. Uh, same thing had to happen on Sunday. It, bullpen had to go five innings on Sunday also. You need him to get you six or seven yes. where you're crushing these guys. So that's going to be really, really important. Will somebody other than Zach Wheeler please stand up? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Because right now, this this the starting rotation and the bullpen, middle relievers back in is really suspect right now. Yeah, and yeah, I'm just hoping that they're going through a tailspin and come out of this thing in late September. But right now, this is really concerning in terms of how inconsistent their pitching staff has been. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. So your you know, Eagles' schedule is basically they get back at it tomorrow. So think of think of it as we're we're absolutely in game week if it's a Sunday game. Yeah, they're off on Tuesday. Wednesday, you get back at it and really start game planning. Sean Desai will meet with the media tomorrow uh, at 1.30 before practice. After practice, it'll be Jalen Hurts. Same thing on Thursday in terms of practice. Uh, Michael Clay. Maybe then we'll get some answers on who's punting. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Like, we would think by Thursday we'd have an idea who's punting for the team. I would hope so. But then right. again, this is Nick Sirianni. He's not going to tell you anything he doesn't have to tell you. Yeah, true, true. Uh, Brian Johnson also meeting with the media on Thursday, Friday. It'll be Nick Sirianni, uh, as he usually does. Then there's locker room a- accessibility. Uh, Saturday, we know, is uh, is no media. Walk through, hop on a plane, get out to New England, and uh, and they play 425. It's a 425 kickoff on Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, where they go with a couple of these decisions. I think – I, I think they may roll the dice with Zacchaeus for the punt returns early. If it doesn't look good, then you might see Covey come off the practice squad. I, I, I think the fact that they haven't moved Sipos into or onto the roster yet may mean there's somebody coming in. Maybe they're still working people out this week. Maybe that's part of what they did in the early morning with the later afternoon practice. I yeah, I, I believe they're still working people out, but they're, they're taking a sweet time about this. Um and there's been some pretty good punters that have been le- released by other teams, and yet they have not piqued um, uh, the Eagles' interest. And Ariza is not even on the list. He He's not coming in here to try out. 
mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But then again, nobody else is working them out either. So right, right. No, you're yeah, no, you're right. And that, again, I go back to this is not an eagle thing. This is something that a lot of people know. Yeah. If, if if in fact it is what it is, I don't Absolutely. know. I don't pretend to know what it is. So uh, it's interesting. All right. Uh, we are done, my friends. Uh, that's going to do it for us. want to thank Xander Krause producing the program. want to thank each and every one of you guys uh, in the chat for participating in the show. We appreciate it. Thanks to everybody streaming, everybody listening. Don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio taking you for the next three hours. And then Derek and I come back at it tomorrow at the same time as we will be down to four days until they play. And uh, just a day day until we get uh, get the Chiefs, who could be compromised here if Travis Kelsey can't go. But the uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, but as long as that man named Mahomes is on the center, man. You don't count him out. Magic is going to happen. You are correct. All right, that'll do it for us. We appreciate you hanging out with us. For Derek Gunn, I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same channel. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds.